0: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got. Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving <laughs> forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. <laughs> Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend them. Talk about the game, Sam. So, who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like the ball, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Almost a false start there, Sam. I don't know what came through there. Hmm. But, uh, hey, welcome in. PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzola, Sam Monson here, going through our NFL season preview series. The Easts are up. AFC and NFC, we did that on Monday. Now it's Thursday, and we're going through the Norths. Yep. New divisions, uh, multiple. Uh, new podcast. Let's go. AFC North, NFC North, we're going to go through. We give every team as much love as possible previewing all of the biggest question marks all of that fun stuff we had someone suggest you know sometimes it's a long NFL offseason and even the biggest NFL fans sometimes forget all the moves that were made Mm. he suggested a show where we just kind of like ran through all of them I'm not saying we're just straight list them like free agent moves Arizona Cardinals you know but maybe there's one where we just fly team by team and say additions subtractions draft picks what do you think sounds like it would take a lot of time but we don't even... does like no analysis. We bring no analysis to the
1: table. Yeah, well, it sounds like it would either take a lot of time or be very bad
0: podcasting. It might be. I don't know that there's a world where... We bring minimal analysis to the table. Yeah. Biggest additions, biggest subtractions, and a minute on what it means. Maybe we'll do that. I don't love the idea. The other... Th- you know, that's fine. The other thing we need to do is have the bet, the bet show. This thing has really taken off where people are challenging us with bets. Things that they want to, you know, put on the line during the season we're going to have a few at the end of the show so we'll have a few but we're going to like we have enough that we're going to dedicate an entire show to accepting or declining some of the bet offers that our listeners have made
1: yeah at the end of the show we will run through rapid fire i think eight bets that i highlighted that we will just decline or accept uh, at the end of this show so hang around right till the end and you'll you'll hear some of those ones send them in uh, NFL podcast at pff.com these are things where you know we've been saying broadly speaking the same kind of thing all through the offseason, you know, other than when things have changed. Uh, and if you think we're way off on something, let us know. And call us out. Yeah, call us out. Let's bet on it. And if you're right,
0: you know, we'll we'll send you some PFF stuff. And then finally, do you want to see Sam throw a baseball? I do. I want to see him throw a baseball. Mm-hmm. I want to see him try to throw 60 miles an hour. Yes. And you have the opportunity to do so because we're doing another charity drive. I'll let Sam talk about that. But that's your pin tweet at PFF underscore Sam. Once we hit our goal, Sam will try to throw the baseball as fast as he can and try to hit over 60 miles an hour. Right. Remember, I have guaranteed 60-plus miles an hour. You have.
1: Guaranteed. The first number will be a 6. Now, it might be six zero, but it will be a 6, um, which remember is 14 miles an hour slower than you were pitching. That's, that's quite a lot. I'm giving you quite a lot of room. You know? Yeah. And it's it's 14 miles an hour faster than you for more slower perspective, th- slower than you and about 14 miles an hour faster than the dude just like lofting. I pitch. was I was throwing 20
0: miles an hour slower than my prime. Yeah. Oh, no, you well. were bad. I'm just saying yeah. that. I'm just telling you the regression that I've sustained. Yeah. Yeah. Heading into my 40s. No, no, no.
1: Yours was miserable. And yet I'm still giving you 14 miles an hour. That's what I'm saying. Mm. That's that's why I should be confident. Yeah, I don't think um, so. anyway. My pin tweet, at PFF underscore Sam. There's a GoFundMe link there. We'll put it in the description as well. I don't know if uh, if inflation or what is the gas prices are hitting people, but right now the uptake has been very slow. We have never had a charity drive idea that has generated as many emails and comments and suggestions as this one, and yet here's the time for the money, and we've raised $70 so far. So look, every, every donation, big or small, is appreciated. If you want to throw in a, a dollar, if every one of our listeners throws in a dollar, we'll get there in, in, immediately. If we have, you know, particularly rich donor, fire in a bigger donation than that. Nobody bought Nobody bought the X-Share, the fancy egg thing that costs like seven grand, you know? Our yeah. high-rolling listeners, they didn't come through for us. Yeah, I the didn't X see anybody that,
0: that did that. Yeah. But
1: if you want to come through for us and help, help us uh, raise money for Needs, Inc., which is... Provide service dogs for people. Service dogs cost upwards of $17,000. That's crazy. And then forty grand to train the thing. So seventeen grand just gets you the dog, the, th- the dog that needs to be trained. So if you need a service dog and you're not rich, you are in trouble. Um, these people help bridge that gap. So it's a great cause. Let's raise money. They're really highly ranked on whatever that charity navigator rating thing is to make sure the money's actually going to the right place, not, you know, office parties and whatever else charities blow their money on. So it's a great cause. You can donate uh, with a clear conscience and know your money's going to the right place. Let's help us raise some money so that we can do stupid things on video.
0: All right, so let's do that. Go check out Sam's pinned tweet at PFF underscore Sam. We'll throw it into the link of the YouTube as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've said
0: that twice, so I'm sure Tyler will actually do it. Yeah, we'll make sure we'll have it. All right, thanks to everybody already. How fast can Steve throw now? Well... Go back and see the old video. Somebody's asking. YouTube. Yeah. 74. You know, you maxed, you you gassed it up to 75. 71,
1: 74, 75, yeah. Yeah. Not great. No. No, no, not great at all.
0: I blame the pocket radar. You blame, well. Though based would- off your reaction to the pitches, it really wasn't coming in that fast at all. No. So, um, anyway, ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Go. We're going team by team. Like I said, we already hit eight teams. We're a quarter of the way through the league. We're on to the AFC North. We're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Ravens for this season. Didn't make the playoffs last year. Lamar Jackson gets hurt down the stretch. Already a lot of discussion around Lamar Jackson and his development. as the league caught up to him? You know, the usual offseason discussion. Um, The reality is Lamar has regressed since his MVP season, right? Mm -hmm. 2019, he was outstanding. There was a point last year where it seemed like the offense, this really was the best pass offense that Baltimore had had. The run game had taken a step back. But down the stretch... I'll get into it after you respond here, but down the stretch, Lamar was not good before the yeah. injury. last year was uh, weird. So what do
1: we expect here going forward? It was strange because early in the season, I think Lamar was playing really well, and in particular as a passer. Like, all the the stuff from my, uh, from Mike Sando's quarterback tiers article, you know, the anonymous quotes and all that kind of stuff, and the idea that, well, Lamar can't pass if you put him in must-pass situations, game's done. Like half of the, the counter to that, that people were pulling was from last year, the start of last year, right? Remember, Kansas City was Baltimore's bogey team, the team that I'd said all along, like, theoretically, Baltimore is built to stop this Kansas City Chiefs offense, and they hadn't done it yet, in part because of that exact scenario. They kept getting put in must-pass situations, and that's not where they they thrive. It happened again, only this time Lamar actually did pass their way to a victory. And the same thing against the Colts later in Week 5, like, He passed for 400 yards, four touchdowns, was down 18 points or something, quite, you know, way into the game and and dragged them back to that. He was doing all the things that he was being criticized before for not doing. And then his play just kind of fell off. And he went from being amazing to being average to being below average to being actually kind of bad by the time that he went down. And that's the sort of thing is we think, oh, well, they lost uh, Lamar Jackson, so of course... Of course, the Ravens fell off late in the season, but actually, at the point where Lamar went down, there wasn't really a big difference between him and Tyler Huntley coming in.
0: Like you know, a few, ga- there were a few games where Tyler Huntley. I mean, Tyler Huntley made a nice comeback against the Packers yeah. and stuff like he, well, point he is, balled out a couple games.
1: Typically, you know, Lamar Jackson goes down his MVP season and Huntley comes in. It would not. It would be a big problem. Right, Lamar going down at the point where he went down last year. The difference between him and Tyler Huntley playing was not that substantial like that I don't think was what did for the Ravens last year it was it was more like the entire secondary got hurt right and they're calling up guys from the practice squad and saying hey go out there and cover Devontae Adams good
0: luck that was a bigger problem than Tyler Huntley yeah through through seven weeks last year Lamar had three games three game grades over 80 Uh, he had that uh, that comeback against the Colts I mean just one of the most ridiculous passing games of all last season right he goes 37 for 43 they were down I think it was 22 to 3 at the time it's Monday night football I've said this a lot there's a lot of Lamar fans there's a lot of Lamar detractors and it's uh, now I know every quarterback has that right but it's one of those like if you're watching the game and keeping an eye on social media as soon as something good happens they're like oh see I told you Lamar could do this and then when something bad happens I told you Lamar can't pass I mean this was like the game for like the Lamar supporters against the Colts comeback opportunity must pass he had six incompletions on 43 attempts that's crazy 90.7 passing grade he did have a fumble in there as a, as a runner but he was fantastic and it looked like he was kind of back from a you know MVP caliber season standpoint but but with some new additions which was uh, a downfield passing attack and but it just kind of just kind of fell apart from there sam you know his last four of his last so his last four full games here are the game grades 59 50 41 44 so his last few games before getting hurt against the Cleveland Browns Lamar was not great that includes you know a couple games that were okay statistically so the turnover worthy plays were the issue he had uh 10 over those last four full games 10 turnover worthy plays it was kind of like what we talked about with Dak it just kind of came out of nowhere so though there are questions there were what was it four wow eight total games with multiple turnover-worthy plays last year that was not there as uh in the mvp caliber season for lamar jackson so i think he's got those questions to answer right overall though as a passer he's still good as a runner he's so dynamic everything else around him becomes better the offensive line becomes better the runners you know the running backs usually average five yards a pop because of Uh, What Lamar really brings to the table. So I think, I think Lamar bounces back and I think Baltimore bounces back and they should be right up there with the Bengals and the AFC North.
1: Yeah, it's still, it's still a unique offense and that makes it challenging. And Lamar is a unique playmaker and that makes everything challenging. Um, The question is going to be, do they have enough around him for that offense to still be a really top tier unit? Um, And we've talked a little bit before about that wide receiver group, which is arguably as bad as Green Bay's on paper. Once you trade away Marquise Brown, now Rashad Bateman is the number one, Devon Duvernay, Tylen Wallace, James Prochet. Like, these are not top-tier receivers, with the possible exception of Bateman, who needs to take a step if he's going to be that number one guy. The difference between them and Green Bay, as we talked about, is you do have Mark Andrews, right? who... Mark Andrews posted a 91.5 gray last year.
0: That guy... Didn't matter if it was Josh Johnson coming off the street. Right. Tyler Huntley didn't matter. Absolutely
1: quarterback-proof um, over the course of the season. Also led all tight ends in yards, had, had 1,361 yards as a tight end. Crazy. With those, you know, the, the problems of quarterback in terms of injuries and stuff. Had almost 10 touchdowns. Like, he was an absolute monster last year. So, that is a differentiator and you know, they are, they're a team that does flow through the tight end more than they flow through wide receivers. Anyway, Mark Andrews had 149 targets last year. That's a big part. When you consider, you know, Lamar Jackson's rushing threat, the rushing threat generally, which should be better. Remember last year, the entire backfield got hurt before the season, JK Dobbins coming back, Gus Edwards coming back, Mike Davis signed. This should be a powerful rushing attack an offensive line that's been you know retooled a little bit and should be reasonable and then mark andrews is the primary receiving threat leaving rashad bateman to sort of be that number two guy and see how much better he can get
0: yeah i think you know i mentioned the other day it seemed like the cowboys were one of a few teams who got worse the ravens i don't think got worse but you definitely look at the receiving core and say okay that's that's not as good as it was last year but i think it's part of their process you know because when they traded Marquise Brown, you're getting a Tyler Linderbaum and extra picks in return. I am looking forward to see what their running game is. I want to stick with my draft narrative that Tyler Linderbaum, an undersized center, who is not really the prototype for what Baltimore has done previously, that they're drafting him to do something different offensively, to, to add more to their rushing attack, to add more uh, perhaps zone runs and uh, uh, pin and pull type schemes where you're getting the center out into space. I think there's some flexibility there because he's like a jason he's a jason kelsey like uh space center you know you don't see those guys that are just so good uh zone blocking getting out in space of course they have the great morgan moses replacing the great alejandro villanueva at right tackle so the ravens are always the team that i think makes a whole bunch of little moves that add up to their roster being better um and that includes linderbaum and i also can't wait to see what Kyle Hamilton does in that secondary with all the other investment that they've had there, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. If Hamilton is as good as we thought as a prospect at safety, this could be the best secondary in the NFL if everybody's healthy.
1: Yeah, their draft generally was fascinating, actually, when you look at all the players that they brought in. And Hamilton is, his usage is going to be a really important part of how good he is, I think. When do you see that, you know, one of the training camp videos was him getting absolutely torched by some nobody who was? slot receiver who hamilton Hamilton. yeah so he was like one-on-one in off coverage against a tiny little slot receiver who i don't know yeah. who it was got torched you know but it's like okay but that isn't his game right <laughs> that's not what he's supposed to be doing and if he is doing that a lot the ravens are probably not going to get a ton out of him positive but let's assume that that's just part of training camp you go through one-on-one drills and it happened um so how they use Hamilton in this defense will be interesting, but when you look at all the players that they drafted, it's kind of a really intriguing group. Linderbaum, who has the questions of a fit within this offense, b you know is he as amazing as his college tape suggests, or is the undersized thing actually a problem at the next level? Just how good is he? Uh, they drafted Kyle Hamilton. We talked about. Um, they were obviously the team that, that took the gamble, if you like, on David Ajabo after he blew out his. It was an Achilles, right? Rather than ACL at his pro day? I think Achilles. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's an Achilles. Anyway, they were the team that took the chance on him. They were also the team that drafted Daniel Failele, the monstrous, giant, 380-pound uh, right tackle for, for out of Minnesota. They were the team that took Travis Jones, you know, the sort of... the. Jordan Davis, light, I guess, if in terms of monstrous nose tackle in a league that isn't really going in that direction. Just a whole bunch of really interesting types of players, and they took all of them in the one draft class. Right. So, seeing how this draft class specifically pans out in year one is going to be interesting, not least of which because one of our fan bets is on that.
0: Oh, that's right, on uh, Ravens War versus Patriots War. Yeah, on the draft classes. Yeah, I mean, look, all those little moves add up. You know, letting. Um, letting Orlando Brown walk, essentially getting Odafe Owe as a pass rusher opposite him. Now you have Owe, Justin Houston, Tyus Bowser. They've always been a team, even with Wink, Martindale moving on, a team that likes to create pressure, play man on the back end. I I really can't wait to see how they deploy that secondary, though, just to go back to Kyle Hamilton. They also add in Marcus Williams, who's one of the best pure free safeties in the league. Chuck Clark has been one of the best, move it or move around safety linebacker types over the last couple years he's been kind of their positionless guy where does Kyle Hamilton fit into that equation and like I said earlier if they all stay healthy Marcus Peters Kyle Fuller Marlon Humphrey at corner it's deep it's deep they had Humphrey once Marcus Peters went down last year they had Humphrey moving all over the place playing in the slot playing outside his grade took a hit I think because his Roll was a lot more challenging, right? He's the guy playing one-on-one with Jamar Chase and then kicking inside to the slot. So there's a lot of intriguing pieces on the back end for the Ravens. All of this comes down to, though, I think Lamar, right, in the quarterback position, what happens there? A, a lot of people push back on the will the league adjust to Lamar question. But if you look at his grades going from 90 to 79 to 70, I think you do have to ask the question, I'm going to pose the question. I've said this on a podcast before. His career path right now, even though I like him more than the guy I'm about to say, his career path right now looks kind of similar to Carson Wentz. God. I'm just saying. That's what it is. I'm not saying it's going to be like that going forward, but Lamar's got to turn it around. That was year two peak and then kind of a slip back closer to mediocrity in the next year. I thought 2020 was fine for Lamar, wasn't special, but last year the way it ended and the fact that he only played full games through week 13, it wasn't it was an average to below average season for Lamar Jackson by pretty much every measure and that's where Wentz was for a few years. I'm not saying he's going to follow that pattern, but I'm saying that like if you're objective about this, that's the pattern so far with Lamar Jackson other than the fact that Lamar brings so much to the run game. You would give him the edge over Wentz. But the regression from the year two peak is there for Lamar Jackson right now.
1: I think Lamar is so dangerous and special and unique that the league will never figure him out in the way that the league never figured out Barry Sanders, right? Those guys are just so talented, so good, and so impossible to stop that it doesn't matter what plan you have, they're going to end up neutralizing it at some point. Now where it does get a little bit more nuance is that I think the league is better at defending him than they were when he first showed up and they literally had no clue how to stop it. Now they know what to do, but that doesn't mean you're going to get it done. So where I think you can see elements of this is if you start looking at Lamar Jackson's rushing numbers and look at how many big plays he's had uh, in his career. Last year, in terms of like breakaway runs, those sort of 15-plus yard runs he only had a couple of them all year. And that was from, I think he had 15 or 13 or something in his best season. Um, I think defenses are way better now at kind of bottling him up and at least saying, all right, he's going to get some plays. There's going to be some big plays in here. But let's try and make sure that, like, every time the guy pulls the ball, he's not beating one guy and going 50 yards because that's a real problem. So kind of the way that teams started to develop a way of hemming in barry sanders over the course of his career you just had a better methodology of understanding how to contain him now you wouldn't get it done eventually he'd make somebody look like an idiot including a hall of fame you know hall of famers left right and center and he would bust one off anyway but it's a better process than when you're just going out there and playing like regular defense and hoping that that still applies to a guy to whom the rules don't apply so i think defenses are a little bit better at understanding who and what Lamar Jackson is, and how to cause him problems in a way that they weren't when they were sort of first seeing him and but and I d- he's still ahead. special enough that like his 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 baseline should be pro Bowl kind of caliber quarterback.
0: I just want to say it's not I don't think it's insulting to ask, will the league adjust to Lamar Jackson? That's literally every single quarterback needs to deal with that. What did the league needed to adjust to Tom Brady and drew Brees? Uh, and Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray, like all of these guys, how the league adjusts to them, and then how they adjust back. Yeah, and I just, I just want to say there's, there's a lot of quarterbacks recently, including Wentz, including Lamar Jackson, including Mahomes, including Burrow right now, who were excellent in year two, and now the question is, okay, the league has film on you. They're going to do things differently, schematically, strategically. They're going to do, and so the best quarterbacks adjust whatever that might be. and the best players in the NFL have to adjust to what the league does so that's true for everybody
1: yeah I think we just need to be careful how we phrase it because the adjusting to a quarterback and him having to adjust to the adjustment and continue to be dominant is one thing the the sort of phrase a lot of people use is you know has the league figured out player x the league figured out certain players you know, they they showed up. They'd never seen it before. It was like, oh, they had real success in year one or year two. By year three, the league understood what they were doing, kind of shut them down, and that guy was no longer a massive.
0: Fan. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't see that. And maybe that was what Lamar happened to Carson
1: Wentz. I would argue that certainly happened to Kaepernick, even before all of his, you know, knee things. And I know his last season was statistically pretty good, but overall, their performance wasn't nearly as good. Um, Doctor Eager breaking in over here. I don't think that's relevant to Lamar Jackson I don't think the league is capable of figuring out quote-unquote Lamar Jackson I think he's in the same boat as Patrick Mahomes is right now which is the league has figured out things that they don't like
0: yeah and they're using they've attacked weaknesses they've made him you know play
1: to their weaknesses a little bit more so Patrick Mahomes last season had the worst quote-unquote year of his career the worst year of Patrick Mahomes career was still 4,800 yards 37 touchdowns 13 interceptions 66 you know completion rate it was still insane right it's a career year by pretty much everybody else's standards but that is the league adjusting to him yeah. that's still like a percentage off what Patrick Mahomes is capable of I think the same thing has happened to Lamar Jackson right now we've seen defenses you know regroup rehuddle, and lop off 10 percent of of Lamar Jackson now the onus is on him to go back into the you know the the lab and find that 10% again
0: yep and I think like every uh, so I agree with you there it's not the league has figured out but every young quarterback in particular has to be able to adjust to the new things that are thrown at them I can't wait to see what the Ravens do I really believe like Lamar has uh, just to reiterate too, Lamar's rushing yards come from the design running game he is not a runaround scrambler he can scramble that's not his game he likes to sit in the pocket go through reads when he runs it's by design it's part of the run game. He had one zone run last year, like zone blocking scheme run for Lamar Jackson. I want to see if that is an adjustment that the Ravens make because you could start getting these guys into space a little bit more and that's it. You just get them into space and play. So Lamar Jackson, will he adjust a little bit? Will the Ravens adjust a little bit? Uh, They don't have as good of a receiving core, I don't think, this year than last year. But does it matter less for the Ravens because of how they run the ball? I think that's going to be the big question here. So over unders nine and a half here for the Baltimore Ravens. Where are you going with that? Uh, over. Over. Yeah. For the. Well, Ravens. I mean, people—they're
1: the classic worst to first candidate because somehow they can they they collapsed down the season down the stretch last year to end up bottom of a really tough division. Um, but they were the number one seed in the AFC quite deep into the season. Then all of their injuries really started to bite deep. If we assume that isn't going to happen again. The Ravens should be legit contenders, and even in a tough division, that's double-digit wins.
0: The best place to play fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. Their Best Ball Mania tournament has $10 million in total prize money, and the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season, and the highest scores at the end of the year win. The champion of Best Ball Mania drafted last year during the summer, just like now, so there's no time like the present to join Underdog and take your shot at a million-dollar draft. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, play $10 with code PFF, and draft your best ball mania team today. Are we on to the Bengals? We're on to Cincinnati. Hmm. On to Cincinnati. Cincinnati Bengals, our hometown, defending AFC champions Cincinnati Bengals do you think you were going to be saying that last year at this time no no <laughs> I don't think anybody did it's a different feeling around town now the because possible
1: exception of Joe Burrow
0: it look it's sometimes it's easy to just look back and say well the Bengals went went to the Super Bowl of course they were much better last year but there was a point they <clears throat> look every team has these roller coasters right I mean they had a there was a point where they were the number one seed early on it's like hey the Bengals are kind of for real they just took it to the Ravens And then they lay an egg against Mike White and the Jets, right? I mean, it was like why the Bengals just can't get out of their own way. But they figured it out. And I think the story of last season was early on, Joe Burrow's coming off the knee injury. They're protecting him because the offensive line's still not good. They're running the offense through Joe Mixon, especially in the second half. And there was a point where they flipped the switch and said, okay, Joe, it's your team. Go out there, chuck it 45, 50 times in some key games down the stretch. And, And he showed up. And you combine that with Jamar Chase becoming one of the best, not just receivers. I think I was surprised that Jamar Chase was as good of a big play receiver as he was, both after the catch and, of course, down the field. I knew he'd win down the field, but maybe not as often as he did. So the Bengals have one of the best trios of receivers. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, top PFF grade last year. Great offense. They added so much to the offensive line. And the defense... Really stepped up down the stretch in in some key games, obviously.
1: Yeah, Cincinnati had an incredible year last year. I think it's it's a very difficult one to level set heading into this year. Um, I wrote a piece that was sort of bold predictions about every team, Um, and one of my bold predictions for Cincinnati is that they won't make the playoffs this year. So
0: defending AFC champions might not make the postseason. And look. As I tweet out, can the Bengals return to the Super Bowl to try yeah. to get people in here to listen to you? I think that... They're going to the, be so mad when they get here. Yeah, yeah. there was some guy, he tweeted me, it was big mad.
1: Um, I can't remember what his name was, but man wasn't happy. Harold or something. Harold was not amused. But, so look, I, I think it's fair to say that Cincinnati overachieved last year. And I think sure. it's obvious that Cincinnati recognized that they overachieved last year. It would have been easy, and teams have done this before, you know, you go on a run, you overachieve, you make a Super Bowl, and you just sort of think that you're, like, one piece away and you'll get back there next year because all the other things are there. The Bengals didn't do that. They made the Super Bowl, understood that they kind of overachieved, what needed a crazy run to make this happen. And if they didn't fix the offensive line, there was no shot of them getting back next year. So they went out and they completely overhauled that line in the offseason. I think they did a great job of that, turning their biggest weakness by a distance into what should be fine. It should be a solid offensive line this season, and that's huge for them. Um, but it doesn't really change the fact that they did catch that lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and uh, all the things that needed to happen for them to go on that run. And when you look at what everybody else did in the AFC in terms of getting better and, and the contenders that are out there and how tough that division is, it wouldn't take much for them to go from where they were to missing out entirely next year. You know, Baltimore comes back, and if they're as strong as they could be if they stay healthy. Like, Cleveland, all of a sudden, may not be missing their quarterback for the entire season. That Cleveland roster is really good. Like, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it will happen. It was a bold prediction as opposed to, you know, here's a thing to stake your life on. But it wouldn't take that much for Cincinnati to still be a good team but fall short of the playoffs
0: you're just trying to create intriguing content over there sam even if you don't fully believe it right
1: i mean i'm just i i think it's because the bengals are kind of i think they're a very fashionable pick right now for a team that is really good that you know did a great job in the offseason that has joe burrow and jamar chase and all these kinds of things it just I that,
0: they feel like a team to tap the brakes on a little bit and look as a as a bengals fan you should be confident right you should be excited not only oh, yeah. I mean, it's you, better than a year ago when we you're knew, at this and thinking we're just bad. We thought Joe Burrow was good last year at this time, but he stepped up and confirmed, all right, he's, but also he's remember, among the elite quarterbacks. This time a year ago,
1: he was coming back off a major knee injury. And you're like, it's not a given that Burrow is going to come back the same guy he was yeah. as a rookie, let alone take, you know, at least two very big steps forward and become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, absolutely balling, you know, balling out. Like... It was Burrow's future a year ago, given the injury he had was up in the air. And we were kind of hoping that he didn't lose anything and he could continue to get better.
0: So the story of this offseason for the second straight year for the Bengals was what do you do with the offensive line? Last year, it was Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell. Okay, you didn't draft Panay Sewell. You got a receiver instead. And the, the line wasn't great, but I think it also kind of proved out this wide receiver over tackle strategy because they still had this incredibly explosive offense despite an offensive line that was not a great pass pass blocking unit. Now you kept the one guy that you could trust, Jonah Williams, who's not great. He's been solid. He's been just above league average over the last couple of years. You kept him, and you add in three capable starters, right? Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins. Karras and Kappa, they got in, at reasonable prices in free agency. They got them early, signed them. They waited for Lyle Collins to get released by the Dallas Cowboys. He'll step in at right tackle. Those are three legitimate upgrades. It's not. I'm not saying they're all going to the Pro Bowl or they're all pros. Collins could, but they are legitimate upgrades over what they had previously, and that should be much better for Joe Burrow, who took 50-something sacks last year, yeah. which is partly on him, but again, he was under under some quick pressure at times too
1: they've gone certainly from late in the year from one out of five starters being viable to four out of five starters being viable and hoping they could fill the fifth one with you know a combination of jackson carmen or or whoever trying to figure out if they can get viable play out of that fifth one like if they can that's huge and everybody's sort of looking at this and saying oh what that's going to do for joe burrow and it will like it it'll make his life a hell of a lot easier but think about what it's going to do for joe mixon as well Mixon I think averaged 4.1 yards per carry last year and was still second or third in the NFL in rushing yardage because they just like he was one of the 3 4 workhorse running backs in the NFL these days. Um Mixon had to do a lot of that himself. He averaged 3.1 yards per carry after contact. So like that's a if you're over 3 yards per carry after contact you're doing a lot of good work. To be doing and that's harder to achieve the lower your overall number is, right? If you're not getting an awful lot of help from your offensive line, and I think only the Texans gave their uh, running backs a larger amount of yardage on average before contact than the Bengals. The Bengals were like at 0.8 yards or something. So as much as we sort of look at those upgrades and say, that's great for Joe Burrow, it'll make his life easier, more time to throw, all those kinds of things, it should also dramatically improve the space that Joe Mixon has to work in. And if he was able to get into the top couple uh where was he third uh in rushing yardage last year 1200 yards 13 touchdowns with really really bad run blocking in front of him I mean Mixon could
0: lead the league in rushing this year yeah and the Bengals with the so run blocking should be improved Bengals had the fourth worst pass blocking grade including the playoffs Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times league high during the regular season 70 when you include the playoffs because he had those just crazy games. We've talked a lot here at PFF about how the sack total itself and even pressure rate is very much on the quarterback. So, when you're looking at Burrow, the offensive line, sure it hasn't been good the last couple of years, but he's got to get rid of the ball quicker, right? And that he's got to make better decisions. Part of it with Burrow, he's defended the sack totals at times where it's like, "Hey, I'm I'm extending plays, right? Sometimes I'm I'm going to take a negative play, but the offset is I'm going to make a big play every now and again." I think there was a point in Deshaun Watson's career there was a point in Russell Wilson's career where we've posed this question right those are a couple guys who have taken um, just way too many negative plays through the years how do you balance the big playability versus just staying on schedule just getting rid of the ball when you need to I think that'll be a big question for Burrow in his development here defensively the under you know, underrated story of last season was Trey Hendrickson in free agency and Cheetah Bayawousie and Mike Hilton in free agency all coming in and really not I mean, making big plays in particular down the stretch, but making that defense better. And they did a nice job schematically adjusting to offenses, being more of a game plan oriented defense. And then even in the draft, you know, going with Dax Hill early on, bringing in Cam Taylor Britt, you know, just adding flexibility to that secondary. I really like, the Bengals team building effort and in, in where they've been going these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I think they've done a great job. Um, the, the defense will be fascinating to watch because I think they've had a lot of good players. They have, again, attacked areas of weakness and made them not weaknesses, not necessarily strengths, but definitely stopped them being problems. Um, one thing that will be intriguing is whether the players that I don't want to say overachieved again, but the players that looked very, very good last year are able to maintain that kind of level. So Trey Uzi, Hendrickson... Uziye had a career year, for sure. Ouzier had a career yeah. year. Trey Hendrickson had a career year coming off a career year. So his last year with New Orleans, it was like, wow, those are some numbers that scream regression. You know, you're buying high signing Trey Hendrickson given the year he just had, and then he had a better one. That, I mean, it, obviously it's great for Cincinnati's perspective, but can he keep that up, or was that... You know, is that too much of an outlier in consecutive seasons? Uh, DJ Reader had a great year as well. Like there's some, lo- there were some very good seasons from guys on that defense that were not necessarily what you would expect going forward.
0: But they've offset that with the additions that they made. Over/under for the Bengals is ten. So yeah, over at DraftKings, our friend friends over at DraftKings, they've got them at ten. Ravens at nine and a half. So they're even believing in the Bengals a little bit more. I do think the Ravens coming off of not making the playoffs and the injuries and stuff the ravens are probably a little underrated you seem to believe the Bengals might be a little overrated you better watch your back around here cincinnati sam yeah i mean yeah i would i would lean under what do we say it was 10 10 now yeah. they got the i think they have the best quarterback in the division we fair to we're gonna put burrow over lamar at this point over lamar over you know a over deshaun watson, over deshaun if, he's watson there. if we you know we to he, if we talk about against.
1: on football as opposed to him as a person. Um, I, I don't know. He, if I, Comparing him to either of those guys, actually, they both have a, the same number of elite, truly elite seasons, but the other two probably have a larger track record of just good play. Maybe we need one more year of Joe Burrow to put him conclusively above either of those guys. He's certainly the one for whom we've seen it the most recently.
0: Yeah, I mean, Burrow has to, I mean, I like him. I think he's really good, just like I think Justin Herbert's really good. But, I mean, the same thing we're saying about Lamar. The NFL is going to do certain things to put, you know, Joe Burrow in less comfortable spots. Which throws does he not like, force him to make those, that type of thing. So him having a 90-plus grade again next year, I mean, that's not necessarily a lock. Yeah, I'd be again. I'd be encouraged if I'm the Bengals, but it doesn't mean he's always going to be, you know, a top three quarterback every single year from a production standpoint. If he regresses a little bit, comes back down to earth, it's going to be more challenging. But I, I just like the way the Bengals are built. The old line's going to be better. Try to cover Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Uh, you lose a C.J. Azama who's solid, but you get, yeah, you get Drew Sample and Hayden Hurst there. He's still. I mean, it's it's three wide receivers. That's going to be your your group there. Try to cover us guys. But like, if they continue down this path. I think of, it's Burrow's team. We're going to win through the pass game. Bengals are still going to be tough to beat, man.
1: I also think it's going to be how Jamar Chase does in year two will be, you know, something to watch. Because he, it's not that he overachieved year one, but I think he did take a lot of people by surprise. You know, and I I keep mentioning that Marlon Humphrey play in particular where he just did not expect Jamar Chase to be that good, that fast, that, you know, able to wreck him on a given rep and you're not going to take anybody by surprise again so you're actually gonna have to win just by being better than everybody else and look he's well capable of that we saw that late in the season but there is an element that it's going to be harder in year two Uh, now I still think look ultimately Justin Jefferson backed it up in year two I think there's truth to the idea that Jamar Chase was a better wide receiver than Justin Jefferson in college he may still be a better wide receiver than Justin Jefferson in the NFL but it is a different thing
0: to back it up in year two after the year of just surprising people. Yeah, it's just, it's always interesting because you just, you remember the final thing, which was the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, but along the way too, I mentioned, they lose to the Browns. Like Baker Mayfield, we think is just this, you know, trash quarterback who got kicked out of Cleveland. Like the Baker Mayfield's Browns beat the Bengals 41 to 16 in the middle of the season. The Bengals getting to the Super Bowl, you're a play away you beat the Raiders basically by a couple plays. You beat the Titans by three. You beat the Chiefs by three. You have to make a huge comeback. It's just a it's a fine line to repeat. So I I don't think they're going to repeat. I think it's just too deep in the AFC. I'll go Bengal. Uh, did I pick the Ravens? Ravens over. I'll take Bengals over too. All right, I'll take Bengals under but I will say that
1: I, the AFC is just going to be such a nightmare to try and pick which ones of these good teams are going to be good and yeah. which ones are going to be the teams that miss out the Bengals may be a better team than last year and go from the Super Bowl to missing the playoffs like that's how tough the AFC yeah, is good, good teams are going to win
0: 8 games there's going to be yeah. a really good team That's that is a good team That's going to have an 8 next to their win total, right? or a 9.
1: And and Cincinnati is well capable of winning double-digit games
0: and being the best team in their division, but they're also well capable of being that team. Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, there's a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. You missed this read, didn't you? Mm. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce to you their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet. It's the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming, so now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code PFF. Manscaped's brand-new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest biggest bundle they've ever offered. Easy for me to say. Giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff it's manscapes.com 20 percent off free shipping manscapes.com use the code pff it's time you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package all right we're on to cleveland mm-hmm. cleveland browns um i think no matter we try to we try to make these evergreen sam if someone listens to this in mid-august or late august something's going to change because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the Deshaun Watson saga. Um, As of right now, he's suspended for six games. That's been appealed by the NFL. Presumably they're going to step. It's not going to be Roger Goodell stepping in where he does have final say. It's going to be another independent arbiter. Yeah. And the NFL is seeking a year is the terminology that was texted to all of the NFL insiders. Yeah. Which is the, Thing that's been true all along like that's been the report that, that
1: was where the reports were when we expected it to be a year because the nfl wants a year and they were trying to negotiate this out um
0: the I, whole I, thing is weird i like, don't know the legality of this but if they give him a year everybody's saying okay he's gonna sue he's gonna sue yeah. that goes to court but does that pause the suspension yeah presumably yes so if that pauses the suspension Watson might play week one he might play the entire season and then the season suspension occurs next year if it's upheld yeah or whatever suspension happens next year so we really don't know what's going to happen with this whole thing
1: no um the only thing that I think is kind of new I guess so one of the concerns with we have to let this all play out there's 23 24 uh civil lawsuits he never got charged he was sort of they declined to bring charges twice, a grand jury uh, from in terms of criminal charges. There were 24 civil cases out there, and the people that defend Deshaun Watson were always like, we still don't know anything, right? The criminal cases disappeared. He's working to get the civil cases to disappear. They're up to 23, I think, now of have settled, right? So we're very close from him being able to make all of the legal stuff go away entirely, right, and emerge from this with plausible deniability of saying nothing i my name is clear there is no black mark against my name the one thing that's new is this suspension that was the first um suspension done by somebody not named raj right they outsourced the discipline thing because had made such a pig's ear of it in the past to this uh legal counsel sue robinson sue l robinson whatever her name is and so she did the six games, gave her written decision. And in that written decision, she basically said the guy is sketchy. Like he. They, predatory. Yes. I don't know that she used the word predatory. Predatory but, behavior. But definitely said that the NFL made its case. And she accepted that he was guilty, essentially, of. Um, Sexual assault by the NFL's definition, as opposed to any legal definition, of sexual this sexual assault slash sexual misconduct of what predatory behavior. Um, and essentially, the NFL was right that he did this stuff, but owing to precedent, which is ridiculous because the whole the precedent was so bad that they outsourced it to her in the first place. Like your purpose is to deviate from the precedent anyway, but the precedent bound her to six games, so that's what they are. But if you're a defender of Deshaun Watson at this point and saying, well, oh, there's there, there's no proof in anything and the, the legal cases aren't, you know, conclusive and they, there may be no evidence, the NFL's independent arbiter of this has agreed that what he did is wrong. To the point where even with the six games, she's saying, but by the way, don't let this guy anywhere near a masseuse that isn't like a team assigned one for the rest of his career... Not, like, for this season or They're the next month. Team assigned, like. But, like, don't ever let him near, you know, just a random masseuse again.
0: Because the the standards in civil cases and all that stuff are different, too, right? Like, an actual trial is beyond yeah. reasonable doubt, right? Beyond yes. a shadow of a doubt. Beyond reasonable versus, doubt. Versus uh, more likely, likely than not, More Yeah, more likely than not, right? So we're talking 100% versus 50%. Yeah. Which is why it's less... It's less about innocent or guilty when it comes down to this. That's why the NFL can suspend on him, right? Because there's some people who are like, oh, he never got tried in court, but you don't need that necessarily, right? It's um, enough people have found him guilty, plus, okay, he settled all these various cases. My only
1: point in all this is if you are a Deshaun Watson defender, you need to understand at this point that what you are defending is all I care about is the football. Like, I'm a Browns fan. I want the Browns to win games. Deshaun Watson is the best thing for the Browns winning games. Therefore, I don't care that he had a bunch of... Uh, that he was a sexual predator. I don't care. That's what you're saying. And look, look, that's that's an opinion. It's not one that many people are going to agree with, but it's an opinion, and you're entitled to it. This is the world we live in. But you you, you need to understand that's what you're arguing at
0: this point. Isn't this how the NFL wanted this to kind of be set up, though, right? They're like, hey, we're... Th- the NFL wants a year hmm. independent arbiter here is saying six six uh six games we're not gonna let that happen we're gonna appeal I mean there's a lot of I, I don't know the legal stuff here but there's a lot of people saying it was kind of set up for the appeal by the NFL um nobody cares about image more than the NFL yeah right I mean they um they literally make decisions based off what the what the people are saying right what the the which which way the wind's blowing and that's that's how they make decisions right the people are saying this we gotta we gotta listen to the people so the NFL is setting up to try to look like the good guy after years of looking like the bad guy so they're 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 swooping in and saying we want a year here so all that said Deshaun Watson might be the quarterback for the Browns and he might not be yeah we're back in
1: limbo from when having thought we had some kind of resolution here we're back to it could be six games it could be a year it could be nothing for this year um
0: it does seem like 6 was not enough games though. I think well, I would agree. We'll stick with that. So, the rest of the Browns football team, yes, to discuss here. Um making prediction on on them and all that stuff stuff's going to be challenging here, but the rest of the team I do think it looks pretty good. I I also don't think I'm as excited. I don't know that their rosters is as good as it's been the last year or two either. I think it's good. Mm. But you know, there's more questions on the offensive line than they've had previously, just by losing a, a J.C. Treder up yep. front. Um, yes, you add in an Amari Cooper, but however you wanted to handle last year on paper, they had Odell Beckham Jr. and in, in Jarvis Landry. Is this actually better as a group? And they'll probably perform better than those guys, but I don't know for sure. Um, and then defensively, it looks similar to last year. So what are you looking for from the Browns from a overall roster standpoint? Well, this is why I've said, like, if if they're willing to just
1: burn this year, you know, with the with the idea of the greater good that in the next several years you have Deshaun Watson a quarterback and we can just torch this year and it's still, it's still better, right, than sticking with Baker Mayfield or whatever the alternatives were. The risk of that is it's really hard to maintain a really good roster in the NFL. And as you said, you can look at this one, you can say, hang on, there's a crack here that wasn't there a year ago. There's a crack there that wasn't there a year ago. And, you know, you have viewed that term whack-a-mole before that you end up just trying to hammer these problem spots that pop up if you just torch a year and say forget it we're not contending this year that was a year where this roster is still really good and still really good but arguably heading in the wrong direction um so it's a really risky thing to do if that is the strategy but yeah i I agree with you i think the wide receiver i love trading for amari cooper Um, I think he is a guy that will make a difference to an offense and maybe he isn't a superstar number one wide receiver, but he's more than good enough to make a material difference to whoever the quarterback is. He can win in all different ways. Um, He can essentially be that number one X receiver light. You know, maybe he just doesn't do it as consistently as he should, but he's able to win in all the ways you need that guy to win. The rest of that group is quite a question mark. Um, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones seemed to specialize in spectacular catches and nothing else. Uh, Does that continue with a better quarterback? Um, Anthony Schwartz got people really excited very early on because he can run really fast, but then it emerged that he couldn't really do much else. Got me excited. That's what, that's what I like. Speed. Yeah. But even like his college tape was like, okay, that guy is like really fast, even by SEC standards. but doesn't really know how to play receiver
0: i was i was complimenting it looked like in week one they had a plan for schwartz like we're just going to use your speed you get a couple jet sweeps here and there but you're going to be a downfield threat and it just he doesn't have the ball skills right now but if those materialize it's a lot of what ifs in this receiving core though is what i think what you're getting to yeah
1: um the backfield is obviously stupidly talented but you're right the white the offensive line probably isn't as good as it was a year ago um it should still be good but it's a question how good that that whole offense is going to be plus by the way like even if Deshaun watson is the quarterback dude sat out entire year you know who knows what he's going to look like in a new environment and a new team with this kind of pressure on him of his own making
0: whatever but those things are going to affect the guy um even just watson's career grades we're talking um we were lower on him his rookie season than the production 68 grade right in part because of what he did in his debut but he had an 80 grade an 82 grade and then he jumped up to 92 which was weird cuz it was in the year that the Texans only won 4 games and they were terrible but that roster just got worse and worse and i you know Watson was a good quarterback who i think elevated those around him until the year he didn't right like, until the year he just couldn't do it in, in 2020 and everything fell apart so th- but there are still questions about is he is he a low 80s quarter using PFF terms is he a low 80s quarterback or a 90 90- is he up in that 90 range we still don't really know With Watson.
1: Yeah. The defense I really like with the exception of like defensive tackle. I mean, who somebody needs to step up and provide some kind of any kind of baseline of play. And so far there's not a ton of evidence of anybody suggesting they're going to do
0: that. Uh team building wise, it seems like they've tried to just stitch it together. Jordan Elliott is a guy we really liked. He was a third rounder. He's disappointed. They bring in Taven Bryan, former first rounder. Is he gonna slot in there? Sheldon Day. It really is stitch it together. Edge defender looked like a question mark, but they ended up circling back to Jadavian Clowney, who was solid last year. Nice compliment to Miles Garrett. J- uh, Jeremiah Wusokoromoa uh, was fantastic as a rookie, went healthy at linebacker. And then I think, you know, the secondary is going to be the big thing, too. They invested so much in the secondary last year just to re sign Denzel Ward to the big deal. So it's Denzel Ward and former first rounder Greg Newsom and big free agent signing John Johnson. I mean, you just got to those guys have to be worth all of the money i think for the browns to uh to make their playoff push right here yeah um but it's a good but i mean it's a good roster right it for the is. last 3 years what's their over under uh it's it's off the it's off the oh we're we're off pulling the board it. all bets are off with the... yeah i mean i'm i'm certain i don't see it on draftkings I've, it makes sense cuz you really don't know if you're right. seeing you know 13 games of what uh, I'm sorry 11 games of Watson if you're seeing zero if you're seeing you might see 17 of Deshaun Watson if this you know if it becomes a, a crazy court battle so I, I'm guessing it's in uh it, it's probably right there with the Ravens nine nine and a half would be my guess like if Watson plays a full season it's probably nine and a half if if a if it's a six game suspension it's probably eight you know that's my that's my guess mm. um but I think it's a good team. Uh, I think if you look at the Browns as a whole over the, the last five or six years, they have more depth than they had, you know, years ago. Right? It's a it is a it's a different world in the w- with the Browns where they're not a laughing stock. It is a good football team.
1: Yeah, and it's generally and a
0: competitive football team.
1: It has generally been well run over the last few years. I mean, Andrew Berry, at GM, they've done a lot of good things. It's why it makes this whole thing that they jumped into this offseason so unusual because they had, you know, whatever you think about Baker Mayfield, and we've had this discussion, like he was a viable starting quarterback. The question was how viable and how much money should he be thrown at from Cleveland. Um, they decided, forget that. We're gonna shoot for the moon, we're gonna go for the upgrade, we're gonna jump into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And people have made the point that remember there was a while they weren't in the running. It wasn't Cleveland. It was Atlanta and New Orleans or whoever it were were expected to win this Deshaun Watson thing. And then all of a sudden Cleveland jumped back into the the, the driver's seat, right? Yeah,
0: probably when they guaranteed all of his money there despite suspension.
1: Right. And I think, who's it? Andrew Brandt, I think. Maybe somebody else was talking about this contract. And for not just the guaranteed money, but there are other things within the contract that basically seem like it's been written by the agent, right? And you're like, well, how does that happen? It happens because, like, it, you know, Cleveland is fourth in a in a four horse race and jumps back into being first will you do that by saying okay tell me what you want here's the blank check essentially so a really well run team over the last few years is in limbo right now because of something they did
0: oh it's never fun talking about any of this stuff Uh, john harbaugh had some comments about you know essentially saying hey i like the way we do things in baltimore as far as the players we choose not that they have you know they've Had their issues through the years, but have they learned and adjusted from that? I don't know. I mean, it's like. That's
1: one thing where it's like, look, everybody else needs to be very careful with the glass house they're throwing stones from. It's absolutely. I mean, that's just a. You know, Cincinnati, right? Would you just talk about Joe Mixon potentially leading the league in rushing? I mean, Joe Mixon cold cocked somebody on camera, a a woman on camera in college, right? We just, we forget about that now because it was a while ago. Ben Roethlisberger, right? The man just retired. We celebrate his potentially Hall of Fame career. You know, if we dig too too far into the shadows, we find what Ben Roethlisberger was accused of. I'm just saying, you know, it's one thing for those of us. Ray who... Lewis killed a guy. <laughs> All right. Um, are we, are allegedly. Have we, we got legal on this? Um, no. Yeah, allegedly. Security. Allegedly.
0: Is that is that covered? It? You know,
1: for those of us that are without this Ray guy, Rice, of sin, Ray Lewis, it's one have... thing to throw stones. I, if you were in charge of a team in
0: the NFL, I would be very careful about slinging stones. Am I going to get sued? I mean, maybe. You can't take that quote out of context. I said allegedly. There was, there were accusations. Yeah, there was a big pause between, you know, allegedly and the we rest. We could stitch that together.
1: Yeah, cut it. Yeah. Allegedly.
0: Cut down Ray Lewis. Okay. And the whole thing. Obviously, you got to be careful with all that stuff. I mean, that's just humanity, which is why, yeah. Everybody's got something. Um, anyway, I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen here <laughs> with the Browns. Everybody's killed a guy. I didn't say that. No, no, you didn't. I you said just... everybody's got something. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So who almost just doesn't have a
1: body under the stairs.
0: Any other questions about the Cleveland Browns? Is Miles Garrick going to win defensive player of the year? He did 92 grade last year. Got Looks like he could it. be ready to become the best edge defender right up there with uh, TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go to the Steelers. Okay. Say something nice about the Steelers. That's what the people want here. Say something. I love the wider said so that I'm...
1: The Steelers camp, so training camp videos, right? To me, it's like prior reinforcement season, right? I am, I am willing to embrace every video that is sent my way that is about a player that I liked in the draft process, right? And so far, there are a ton of videos of Calvin Austin and George Pickens dominating Steelers camp because Deontay Johnson is, you know, they, they haven't got him under his new contract, so there's, there's space, and those two guys are just
0: balling out. I am here for it. I love those players, both of them. Over-under for the Steelers is seven. Yeah. So Vegas is suggesting... Now the downside this is, is the end.
1: reports from Steelers camp, and Steelers reporters are typically among the more
0: optimistic, shall we say,
1: you know, sunny side. Did up. you see them
0: call us out? Were no. you there? Who called us out? It was uh, oh, so Kevin Dotson, right? It's Kevin talking about his um, his grades. Yeah, the guard. And he said something about uh, you know my uh, my pass blocking's been good, but I want to be known for my run blocking. I want to be good, and you know, that, that's my thing. That's what I like to do. And he's like my PFF grades. He referenced his PFF grades about how we had him good as a pass blocker, not good as a run blocker. Uh-huh. And one of the media people at the end was like, "Oh, you got to lay off that PFF stuff." Yeah, the media people. Oh, oh there's, they like, hate. I mean, if of all the all the media team media people. Steelers are. Well
1: look, this is not difficult to join the dots here, right? The Steelers media generally, as I've just said, is is of the more optimistic, hopium smoking variety, you know, relative hopium, to the other yeah. 31 teams in the NFL. They are going to look at the sunny side, they're going to look at the the paint me the bright picture. They're essentially deluded, right? Is what I'm saying. If you are deluded, what is one thing you don't want to see brought to your attention? Facts, truth. Reality, right? That's not what you want. You want to live in your own little fairy world where everything is good and you win the Super Bowl every year. As soon as somebody wanders up to you and you goes, "Yeah, but what about this bad thing?" That just like bursts your bubble of, you know, lunacy, and you have to live with the rest of us in the real world. They don't want that. So these two things are connected, is what I'm saying. Um, but the point I was making is those guys are very, very optimistic and you know, deluded. Uh, and yet they are
0: suggesting that the quarterback play has not been good yeah. in Pittsburgh camp so far. I, I love tweeting out and asking who's getting all the hype in camp. Sometimes I miss it. I like when people bring it to me, you know? So everybody's like, oh, Brandon Ayuk and, you know, Romeo Dubs and all these guys. And then um, somebody did send me not Mitch Trubisky Ew. and then the clip. And um, by the way, my uh, my PSA again today, there was a headline last training camp about how Joe Burrow's interceptions were terrible and all this stuff but the actual report wasn't that bad and I just right. I think the world would be a better place if nobody read the headline we well, you, you need at this point, if everybody skipped the headline and just read the content
1: I mean at this point you have to read the
0: content to make sure that the headline in any way represents what the content is yes so the the, the, the Bengals example last year was like oh yeah Joe Burrow's trying some things and some things yeah. aren't going well like it wasn't as bad as the headline seemed this one is the headline um, Mitchell Trubisky really hasn't been sharp would actually, which really doesn't do justice to the actual content. That said they're like 0 for 16, taking shots at the end zone from the two, and he's 3 of 20 on reps, and 0 for 4 with an interception during team period with back-to-back overthrows. It's like yeah. like if you said Mitch Trubisky's been trashed, that probably sums up the actual content. All I'm saying is don't read any more headlines, uh, listeners and the, viewers, of the, the, the PFF one, NFL podcast. The one small piece of defense I will offer to the quarterbacks in Pittsburgh right now
1: is the Steelers' training camp is different from pretty much every other training camp in the NFL. They have pads on a lot. They hit a lot. They tackle a lot. They play. They practice as if they're playing games next week, right? Um, Most teams, like, you'll you go to training camp and you'll spend a long time before you see them, before you see pads anywhere near the thing, right? And you certainly won't see, like, hitting and tackling and stuff. The Steelers do it differently, and the ways they do it differently don't help quarterbacks, Right? When guys are getting lit up and guys are getting hit and there's, fit, there's actual contact and physicality, it's harder for offense. and It's harder for quarterbacks. So if you want to cling on to a crumb of you know, delusion and optimism, that's your crumb. It's like, look, those guys have a harder job right now than the other 31 training camps where there, there aren't pads and people aren't getting hit and lit up. Like, they
0: have a more difficult task. On the optimistic side, I do, I do like the receivers. Yeah. I do like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool for whatever he's going to bring to the table. I feel like he's going to get phased out, though, with George Pickens coming in. We'll see. Your boy Calvin Austin. Deontay Johnson is talking about making the big boy money at wide receiver. I get this question on from the Pittsburgh uh, radio people every week. Is Deontay Johnson worth the $20 million plus? I-, I love Deontay Johnson. I-, I-, I would have a tough time paying him the $20 million. I, I have a tough time putting him in Keenan Allen – mike williams or better range he might be on the cusp i just don't I mean, know if he wins at all levels enough i to think be he that might guy.
1: deserve it but pittsburgh of all teams have to be looking at this and saying particularly like if 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 both george pickens and calvin austin are like real players that can oh, be sure. part of this offense yeah. they're looking at this and saying i mean we don't need Deion, we don't need to pay dionde johnson that kind of
0: money so you, you could also like if you're the Steelers, it's so, like, if you're the Patriots and you're like, ah, oh, we don't really have a history of drafting receivers right. and developing them. The Steelers do. That's what I'm saying. How much do you trust your history of finding the next guy instead right. of paying someone? That's what here? I mean.
1: Like, if you're the Patriots and you finally struck on a wide receiver and he wants his money, you're kind of like, oh, I mean, what are the chances we're going to do that again? If you're Pittsburgh, again, particularly if you'd hit on both Pickens and Calvin Austin, you're looking at this and saying, we can roll into any draft, throw a dart at a board and pick a wide receiver that's that
0: good. Like, we don't need to pay him this money. Um, the offensive line wasn't great last year. I think you know, they were protected by Big Ben and the quick passing game. I think they were limited in what they could do. I, I don't know. That'll be interesting, right? Because whether it's Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, both guy or Mason Rudolph, they all hold the ball a lot longer than Big Ben did. And Dan Moore was below average as a starting left tackle, as a rookie. uh He had a core four at the right tackle spot who they just re upped. I don't think he's a great pass blocker either. I do like Kevin Dotson. Mason Cole's probably an upgrade. James Daniels, we'll see if Kendrick Green fits in there. They should be like a little bit better on the offensive line. I just don't know if we'll see it because we won't have Big Ben throwing the ball two feet over and over and over again to protect them. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's very difficult to overstate just how much harder the Pittsburgh offensive line's job is going to be this season. Going from Ben Roethlisberger, who's getting rid of the ball on average faster than any other quarterback in the NFL by a pretty big margin to one of... Trubisky or Pickett let's limit it to that for the moment Um, Trubisky is at the other end of the scale somewhere not egregiously so but a lot slower on average than Roethlisberger and Kenny Pickett if he continues the trend we saw in college will be historically slow in terms of his average time to throw and that completely changes the job of the offensive line and you can see so we didn't grade the offensive line particularly well last year, but if you look in a couple of different sort of pass protection metrics, they look really good because of what we just talked about. They, the ball's gone, so they, they can't give up the kind of pressure that you want. Um, so Pittsburgh gave up, uh, they gave up the 22nd, they gave up 25 sacks, the offensive line, uh, which is 10 less than the worst team in the NFL, but also 11, uh, 14 worse than the best. The sacks are a weird thing because they generally... They can be decisive, immediate losses that essentially no like no time to throw can mitigate. And that's the, the type of sack they tended to give up. But they didn't give up much pressure at all because the ball was gone. 2.25 seconds, Big Ben. So they ranked sixth in terms of total pressures given up and fourth in terms of pass blocking the efficiency as an offensive line. But we had them graded like in the 20s or something. Here's the perspective. I
0: mean, Big Ben's time to throw. Um, Again, this is snap to release or snap to the end of the play if you cross the line of scrimmage. To you crossing the line of scrimmage as a runner. 2.25 for Big Ben. 2.33 for Tom Brady. And then it jumps up to 2.5 for the number three uh, player, Tua. So 2.5 for Tua, who was third. 2.25 for Roethlisberger. I mean, we're talking, you know, 0.3 second difference in... Big Ben versus Tua that same difference is the uh, the difference between Tua and like the 25th. So the difference between big Ben and the third fastest release is the same difference as the difference between Tua who's third and the 25th quarterback. That's how quickly Roethlisberger was getting rid of the ball. And it wasn't because he was playing with great decision. Like when you look at Brady, it's like great decision-making guys are getting open. He knows where he's going with it. That was not big Ben last year. He was just getting rid of it or you know, throwing a swing pass on fourth and 10. So it just, it was bad quarterback play last year, but it was quick in protecting the line.
1: And Pickett was at, I think, 3.1 last year in college. And yeah, almost a second. we I mean, were talking three quarters of a second here, and which it, is an eternity. It almost always gets longer for young quarterbacks going from college to the NFL. Every single one of the first round quarterbacks last year, their time to throw got longer. When they, for their, from their last year in college to their first year in the NFL, it, they get slower that i that concept right the speed of the game it's real and that's one of the ways it shows up is you you just slow down because you're not processing as fast as everybody else so you hesitate if pickett gets slower i genuinely think that might be enough to stop him getting on the field at all like if so, he if he slows down his process from college to the nfl which was already at, like if if he just maintained the number that he was at last year in college he would be the slowest average uh, he would have the slowest average time to throw in the NFL based on last year and most seasons. If he gets slower, he get you know, obviously you end up off the end of the scale behind an offensive line that isn't very
0: good at pass blocking. That, that would be genuinely not workable. Uh, does Mason, does Mason Rudolph end up being the starter? Cause you could see the Steelers. I mean, they signed Mitchell Trubisky to kind of be the bridge starter, but you could easily, I mean, Trubisky's just not accurate I'm intrigued. I would love to see Trubisky just get one more shot and see if he could rejuvenate things in a a place that has done good work under Mike Tomlin, right? I'd like to see that for Trubisky. But there's a chance, like if the training camp reports are true and he's just an inaccurate quarterback, there's a chance Mason Rudolph is just going to look better than him and they're going to say Kenny Pickett's not ready yet and Mason Rudolph is going to be the starter. So I
1: maintain that we will get four games of Trubisky before he plays his way to the bench and they throw in Kenny Pickett. Okay. Now, my the difference in thinking between now and when I first thought that is now I'm thinking the picket might not be ready at all when the four games come. What happens if you have four games of Trubisky, two or three games of picket, and they're train wrecks? Now what do you do? Do you go back to Trubisky, or is that when when Rudolph goes in?
0: And And I keep coming back to... I, I, the the thing I struggled with with Kenny Pickett was he was he was fantastic last year as a 50 year senior at Pittsburgh. Whereas previously he was a grinder, like gonna miss some throws but make them under pressure and you know pick up a first down with my legs type of college quarterback. He like if you described Kenny Pickett last year at this time, it was like oh, he's a good college quarterback. He's a good college quarterback who's uh, done some nice things for Pittsburgh and then he had a breakout season. So does he have that same? career path in the NFL is he going to be a slow starter I still maintain if you draft a quarterback in the first round whenever he's ready he's ready and Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph their their performance should not dictate when Kenny Pickett sees the field because if he's not ready he's not ready so do whatever's best by Pickett if you're the Steelers um, I don't know if it's going to be that early in the season though I if Tomlin ends up at 500 or better this year the man deserves coach of the year they yeah, forgot. I mean, I don't it, care so what Vegas has them does. at seven. Yeah, I think they might be under seven. But it, Tomlin, Tomlin makes me think they'll just they'll find a way.
1: I don't care what anybody else does this year. If the Steelers win win nine games, which is what you need now, they're to be not five that bad player. of a team. Like roster though, but the court like that. I, Trubisky is going to play his way to the bench in four games. If Kenny Pickett, if Kenny Pickett averages three and a half seconds per throw, he's going to last like two games before they sit him down, and then they're going to have to turn to Mason Rudolph for half the season. If they, get, if they get nine wins out of that, just, just put them in like, the Hall of Fame.
0: I like uh, Drew in the chat, who's usually pretty active. What do you do when you have three guys vying to be the 28th best quarterback in the league? It's a, it, it is a challenge. Um, defensively, T.J. Watt's a stud. Cameron Hayward, right? You've got two stars on that. Call it called T.J. Watt a defensive lineman. He's a pass rusher, right? You're just going to ignore the great Minka Fitzpatrick like that. Uh, Minka is a very good safety. I think he's a good safety. That did not have as good of a year last year as people think. So we'll continue to. He had a 57 grade last year. Nobody likes that. Nobody because he he makes some flash plays and he. But I don't know. He has some he has some bad plays that people don't catch on to. I don't I don't know what to say. Mick is a good player. I don't think he had a good season last year overall. We've answered the question about Levi Wallace and Akilo Witherspoon. You know, two guys I would want to have on my team. I think they're good, solid players, so they could have a decent enough secondary. I think one of our bets is uh, that has come through is about the Steelers secondary. We'll see if we take it. They're trying to rejuvenate Miles Jack. Weird career they, they uh, for Jack, where he looked like uh, one of the best young linebackers. He's had also disastrous seasons where he's graded horribly. Um, next to a guy Devin Bush, who's underachieved as a first rounder too, and they didn't they declined his fifth year option. There's a lot of potential on this defense. There's a lot of what ifs. If Devin Bush plays better, if Miles Jacks uh, plays better than he had, if Alex Highsmith becomes the edge rusher opposite T.J. Watt that he's shown flashes of at other times in his career. Um, Stephon Tuite retires. They bring in Larry Ogan Joby. I just want to say with Ogan Joby, the Bengals kind of liked him. The Bears wanted to bring him in, and they couldn't. Um, we have him with a 47 grade last year and not great in Cincinnati. There's, I think there's a little disconnect between our take on Ogunjobi and the rest of the league, so that'll be intriguing to see how he fits in there as well.
1: How, so doesn't it feel like that linebacker group from the Steelers would be amazing like 10 years ago? like before offenses evolved and just put linebackers in a blender every single play devin bush miles jack yeah if you lined up a decade ago or like back in 2005 or something and that was your linebacker your inside linebacker duo was devin bush and miles jack those guys would just wreck would just lay waste to offenses now
0: it's just the the idea of them again because bush is like look if if bush is a good blitzer you know they they put a lot on you mentioned this a lot they put a lot on the plate of a linebacker in coverage in that scheme. If Bush can do a little bit more, maybe blitzing, and he, Miles Jack takes more of the coverage responsibility, I don't know. It's just Jack should play better than he was last year because he's he's got a better track record than that. He's just been really inconsistent. There's a lot of potential on the Steelers' defense. Yeah, but all of a sudden it's
1: potential as opposed to, like, this is the best defense in the NFL or one of the top defenses in the NFL that can carry the burden from an offense not firing the way it used to. Now you don't expect the offense to be very good because, you know, quarterback play will probably be bad. We like the wide receivers, but the offensive line might be prohibitive. Najee Harris isn't going to be able to carry it because the offensive line stinks. Um, All of a sudden, you just don't think the offense will be very good. Now you actually need the defense to carry the load, and you look at it and you say, well, Hayward's good. T.J. Watt's good. Minka, you know, is good but not amazing most of the time. That linebacker group has talent. Like... It's like, yeah, there's a way it could happen, but they Honestly, really
0: all need to hit the eye end of that. I'm looking at, I mean, they were they were terrible against the run last year, but I'm looking at, like, the three-year sample, looking at war. If, player, if the players like Minka and Levi Wallace and Akilah Witherspoon and Cameron Sutton, those corners, if they play to what they've done from, like, a three-year sample standpoint, it's a good, solid defense. But last year they all played probably below their level. So, it, again, there's a lot of potential there in Pittsburgh. So you're going over or under? the seven here I, I have to go under but the Tomlin thing is crazy yeah I think I have to go under too we're doubting the Steelers again for like the third straight year have we been wrong I don't know uh,
1: we certainly weren't wrong when we were criticizing the Roethlisberger thing
0: because you know, we weren't wrong terrible. when we when we said they were the worst 11-0 team in history yeah because they lost they like the next five games yeah
1: probably not there's a lot of, you know, as I say, there's, see, the problem is the fan base is they read the delusional
0: beat writers, you know? Yeah. It's going to sway them.
1: Got to evaluate
0: your source. Like I, I appreciate beat writers instilling confidence. Really? I don't mind. I mean, yeah, I don't mind them. Isn't their job just to like report what happened and tell you what the story is? No. I think their job is to get people to read and listen to them. Yeah. That's what they're paid to do. On the other and head. there's different strategies in how to do that. You're not like this investigative reporter being like... No, but you are a journalist. Like,
1: kind of. <laughs> like your you just portray facts,
0: not just make things up. Because otherwise you could do that without going anywhere near the team. I'm not saying make things up. I'm saying you can you could focus on the positives. As a beat writer, I'm talking about as a beat writer, I don't hate that as a concept. I think, but when you push back against facts, right, <laughs> like... The Steelers might be the worst 11-0 team. It's like, no, they're going to the Super Bowl, big bands, uh, MVP, and stuff. Like, okay, now you're pushing back against facts. So
1: You don't see the inevitability, though, of one approach leading to the other.
0: I don't mind getting a fan base to feel better about their team, especially here in training camp, because we're here to tear you down with facts. All right, Other people do that. I'm just saying that it feels to me like the job of a guy who's who's a
1: reporter that goes to camp is to tell you what happened in camp. And if you're only telling you... Like if you're just saying everything was great. Everything was great in camp today. Everybody was amazing.
0: Enjoy. Do you understand the world we live in now, Sam? I'm just saying that. There's no truth. There's only your truth. That isn't doing your job. There's only whatever truth you believe. Because your job is to report what happened, not to not to invent anything. Your job is to report the truth of the people that want to hear their truth. Hmm. That's it. Supposedly. I don't actually believe that. All right, let's move on to the NFC North. Starts with the Chicago Bears. Oh dear. All right. I may have missed something along the way, but has there been one positive piece of news coming out of Bears camp yet? Uh, Speaking of negativity. Not really. And they signed, you know, Riley Reef. That can't hurt. Moved him to right tackle. Um, It sounds like the offense
1: is struggling. But I was, so uh, a Bears radio host messaged me. He was like, who from PFF should we get to come on and talk about Braxton Jones? Because it sounds like he's going to be the starting left tackle. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, Braxton Jones was a fifth-round pick out of Southern Utah this year. And is apparently going to be the starting left tackle for the Chicago Bears.
0: I'm going to PFF IQ. I'll give you everything you need to know. whilst
1: they shop uh, their, right, their second-round right tackle pick from last season. Braxton um, Jones did have a 93.9 grade last year at Southern Utah in the FCS. Oh, yeah. Tevin Jenkins. So, whilst Tevin Jenkins is being sort of actively shopped around – I mean look Braxton Jones may end up being an amazing player
0: but generally speaking fifth round picks from Southern Utah don't come in start day You one can see the tackle. long play I mean, here Look great Developing offensive linemen and you
1: can you know. see the long play but all this is like usually this happens without a quarterback in the building Usually the long play the like hey this is the year we suffer through to get to the promised land on the other side they, Usually that happens uh, We're gonna get like, into this
0: again They hate Justin Fields
1: Usually that happens with like Ryan Fitzpatrick at starter You know it's like, hey, Ryan, you know the score. You've been here before. Sorry. You know? But I hear on the upside, here's a few million dollars you're going to make
0: for doing this. Thanks. Ryan you know? Pohl stepped into a situation with no cap flexibility and with no draft capital. Right what would you have done
1: what would you have done but there's still there you still don't have to trade away Tevin
0: jenkins after a year like, oh i mean there's something off the field happening there they like they don't his back injury and well, they don't think or he's or they've the just guy. decided
1: that like we are literally stripping this thing for parts and
0: we don't care what it leaves us with cuz next think, year is the important thing i think that's more of like a there's a thing happening with Tevin Jenkins not like oh we didn't draft him we only want our draft picks. Okay. Tevin Jenkins is a good player like some yeah. if I'm a team and you're gonna get you can give up like a fourth round pick for for last year's second round pick Tevin Jenkins I'm doing that if I'm the Chargers the Raiders I mean there's so many teams I would go get Tevin Jenkins but
1: it also kind of fits in with the the MO so far which has been anything that's worth anything on this roster is being sold off for whatever they can get
0: for it I think they, because they have to, because they need cap flexibility. I'm honestly surprised at this point that they haven't put Justin Fields on the trade block. Why not? Blow the whole thing up. It, it does look like the non-quarterback offensive roster looks like the worst in the NFL.
1: I, yes. This is a this is a terrible roster, top to bottom.
0: I like Darnell Mooney a lot. I, the receivers they brought in, Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Nikhil Harry. I mean, they've all been pretty much number fours across you know in, in their respective spots with you know uneven results we'll say Uh yeah. um, jones as an aging receiver comes in i really they don't have a ton Vellis of great jones, targets here but he's 28 years old right do you like him
1: because he's whatever he is 26 20 he's I a legit 25 i believe <laughs> Let's see. so i, I really sure. liked fellas jones but he's old and he's 25 only broke out after you know six years at college um, and he has to be like your number one now or number two behind Darnell Mooney. So it's just a lot to ask. And I don't know.
0: I, I liked their first two draft picks, but because they were on the defensive side of the ball, people questioned their uh, their love for Justin Fields. I will stick by. Like you don't just draft offensive players just because you have Justin Fields. You guys trust the board. Kyler Gordon comes in at corner. You know I love Jaquan Brisker at yeah. safety. I think both of those guys do upgrade the secondary just Uh, cut to the bottom line what's the over under and how many under are we going all right bears it's not in order over here six and a half under hammer the under i'd go under as well i mean the one the question is though you've got two games against the lions even if they're going to be better i mean you're playing in the nfc north the nfc teams all like if if you put the bears in the afc north it's probably three and a half right (laughs) i mean it's that distinctive a difference isn't it I don't know six and a half down to three and a half if you put them in the in a a, a AFC division I mean if you put them
1: in the if you put them in the AFC North or West you would expect them to lose every single one of those division games yeah but I don't know that's untrue in the NFC North either maybe you get lucky against the Lions or the Vikings once but I you both those teams should be heavy favorites against the Bears both times yeah it's just not a good looking roster
0: anywhere anywhere I got nothing else no um I just think they've been put high level 2018 they had an excellent roster yeah and literally every single year it got worse Mm -hmm. offensive line deteriorated defense absolutely deteriorated I really like uh Khalil
1: Herbert but he might look terrible because they have a terrible offensive line in front of him
0: yeah I mean I'll say this bringing in Michael Schofield to potentially play guard bringing in Riley Re- Re- Riley Reef to play right tackle Cody Whitehair is good at left guard three-fifths of the offensive line is average right you have questions at center whether it's Sam Mustafer or Lucas Patrick you have I mean it's a huge question at left tackle with a fifth round FCS player in Braxton Jones it's a huge question mark if he's going to be the starter so it, it could be a disaster up front but they might be three-fifths could be okay Have you seen the other quarterbacks on the roster? Yeah. Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman. Mm. Solid. (laughs) Say something nice about the
1: Bears. I did. I said I like Khalil Herbert. Oh, yeah, you did. And then I told you that it wouldn't matter because the
0: offensive line's not good enough to make him look any good. We don't know about Roquan Smith and his b do. you know, if Mm -hmm. they're going to re-sign him. So what do you do with Justin Fields here and the evaluation? I, I feel sorry for him. Genuinely. I,
1: I think the Bears are going to stink this year. I think they're going to be in the running for the number one overall pick. And I think there's almost no way that Justin Fields can do anything to dissuade you from taking a quarterback with that pick next year. So you're going to end up in a situation where Fields has not been fairly evaluated. And unless he, like, unless Fields pulls miracles and looks amazing this year, despite everything around him, I don't see how you can come to the conclusion that, oh, we pass on the quarterback where we trade out of number one or number two because we have Justin Fields. I don't think you could do that if
0: you're Ryan Poles. So you end up... I mean, if he truly does elevate this group, if at the. End, I mean, I don't think you're going to... The, the problem with Fields, too, we, if we're going to talk about QBs holding the ball, he does a lot. Uh, that, was the, that was the biggest issue coming out. Like it was, how
1: good would he need to be for you to pass on that pick next year if you're, if you're picking in the top three and you have a shot of one of those top I think if he's as good as he was last year... There's still you think you'd pass on him based off a back uh, like a repeat of last year's performance
0: last year's performance was okay there were some games that were absolute train wreck disasters there was other games Steelers game and there's you know there's games where it's like all right i see the big time throws i see some of the stuff that we re- really liked coming out if there's enough of that hope even if it's a little inconsistent i think you could still roll with fields because you could say well he's only throwing to darnell mooney in like Cole Komet like he doesn't have anybody to throw to he's got an offensive line that's not good and we we know if Fields is going to be successful he's going to he probably needs more pass protection than others right because he's not going to be the guy that gets rid of the ball quickly and protects the line it's just not his game then you then you have to see how does the offense actually play to his strengths for all the criticism that Matt Nagy got last year and you never roll him out and you never do all these things for Justin Fields do they actually do more favorable things offensively to help him so
1: i mean if like, i think
0: if he repeated last year in terms they're moving of moving on there's
1: not a chance in hell they would not draft a quarterback if they're picking you know in the top two
0: all right so we're going under i'm going under on the bears yes six and a half under six and a half detroit lions coming up now Are they next yeah lions lions we got the packers we got three more teams to discuss mm-hmm. what do the lions have they're over under six and a half as well yeah, things feel better about the. Do we feel better about the uh, the Lions and the Bears? I know our yeah. friend Eric Eager does. You, I think you have to at this point.
1: I mean, there's things to work with on the, on the Detroit roster. Uh, I I like what the Bears have done, or not the Bears, the the Lions. I like what the Lions have done a lot. Oh, there you go. There's the doctor. That was just upstairs earlier yeah. today. I like what the Lions have done. Now look, Eric has been pushing them as a as a bet. You know, a, an over bet for the win total for a while, and a big part of that is based off their schedule which is about as easy as it gets um so that's huge in terms of them winning or losing games in terms of them actually being dramatically better i love that the i love the rebuild project that they've undertaken but now the players that you added that you added with a sort of long-term view in mind of hey these guys need a couple of years of play before we get the good stuff out of them you need to start seeing some of that for you to be confident that those guys are still part of the plan right so in particular, the defensive tackles that they drafted last year, Levi and Wuzurike, Elym McNeil, those guys need to be a lot better this year for you to still be confident that they're the solution. Otherwise now you have a hole inside that you still need to fill. So, and, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Jeffrey Akuda hasn't been playing well, has had injury. Like what do you do with Akuda going forward and cornerback generally? So I think, I love what they've done. I think they've made a lot of really smart decisions, added a lot of players that I liked, but now you need to see the development from some of them in order for you to be assured that you are still
0: on the right track. I try not to get too caught up in that because last year at this time, I felt similar about, say, the Jets, right? Like the Jets had Robert Sala coming in, thought they made some moves on the offensive line. They just, they, it looked like they improved in a lot of key areas, and they, was, they were still a pretty bad football team last year. So are the Lions. Similar. Well, you could definitely you could look at their offensive line. I don't know where we ranked them before the season, but top five caliber offensive line. If everybody's healthy, uh, we'll see when Jameson Williams gets to see the field. But Amonra St. Brown was a breakout star last year as a rookie. Bringing DJ Chark, they're better at receiver. They're probably better defensively, but they're you know they're starting from such a low place, right? Like last year at this time, we're like they have nothing. What are they going to have? You want to see a random rookie step up. You got it. You know, St. Brown, right? So they're better than they were a year ago at this time. But how much is just Dan Campbell comes in, expectations are so low, and they exceeded those low expectations. They played some tough games. They played teams down to the wire. They won some games that they shouldn't have won. I mean, that's all you could expect from a year one coach. But how does that translate into year two? Is Dan Campbell the next coach? That's always going to maximize his roster. I think that's where part of the optimism comes in from the Lions. Jared Goff has to play better. He had a 60 grade last year. Uh, There were times he just, even Dan Campbell saying, man, throw the ball down the field. Let's go. Let's see if they can extract that out of Goff a little bit more this year. Maybe with the line, them staying healthy, it helps.
1: Yeah. Again, I like what they've done. I think adding those receivers has been a big part of this year's offseason project. Uh, Jamison Williams. Could be spectacular. It might take him a little while to get going with that injury, but G- DJ Chark is definitely the kind of gamble that I like taking at wide receiver. You know, short term deal for not a ton of money, but a guy that has shown big play potential. Uh, Amon and Brown is uh, the solid slot chain moving option there. TJ Hawkinson's a good player at tight end. That offensive line should be a really good unit, getting Frank Ragnow back in particular. The offense should be pretty reasonable. um A lot is on Jared Goff to show how good he can be and again remember he's a guy where the box score numbers are a lot better than how he was actually playing so if you're just looking at like touchdown interception ratio you might be convinced that Jared Goff played pretty well last year Jared Goff did not play pretty well last year and they could use him playing a lot better this year Um, but for me the big question is the players on that defense that they've added how much better do they start to perform so Aiden Hutchinson, obviously coming in as a rookie, is, is big. I actually like the depth that they've got now as a, a pass rusher. Generally, uh, with the with Aquaras, with uh, Josh Pascal, a rookie as well, with uh, Charles, Charles Harris. Harris, who had breakout that, like, breakout late last year, like that. That all of a sudden is a group, like a platoon of pass rushers that should be pretty useful. Um, but the big question is those interior guys because if those if you don't get decent play from those guys you're going to end up looking a lot like the Chargers did last year where it's just not enough
0: it's also tough you've got a guy like Jeffrey Akuda, a couple of years removed from being the number three overall pick is he even going to be a starter at this point he's dealt with injuries and when he's been healthy just has not been good I mean that's production wise he's been one of the more disappointing corners to be drafted in the top 10 in a while you know those are the types of things where there's there's just still holes on that defense unless some other guys step up but I'm with you. I like of the moves they're making. I can't wait to see what Aiden Hutchinson does. I mean, him versus uh Trayvon Walker. Yeah. You know, comparing their careers will always be a thing just to see if the if the Jags made the right move and if the Lions truly did benefit as much as we thought by, by getting Hutchinson at two. Um I like the line. I keep saying the offensive line, the way where they've been there. And I think in the rebuild here, Sam, maybe a year from now they're looking at quarterback eventually they're looking at adding some more playmakers i think that i think the big question for me this year is the defensive line the guys you mentioned Wuzerike, uh Lynn mcneil if those guys can start to develop right they need these recent draft picks to show that they're at least average to good players if they do that yeah the lions they're gonna be another tough out this year six and a half though what was Eric betting? Was he betting something much lower than that earlier this offseason that he was so optimistic? No, he's he's liked I think six and a half, he liked a lot. I think he's even
1: liked over seven and a half if you get the right uh, you get the right money on it. So his big thing is the schedule. Like they have a really, really beneficial schedule.
0: Yeah. I mean it comes to I mean if Goff is a sixty again, it was his worst grade since his rookie year. If Goff is a sixty, it's gonna be a challenge. So So Lions schedule. Um, they, we've got the Eagles,
1: the, the Commanders, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Bears, the Giants, the Bills. That's not a, a, easy, obviously. The Jags, Vikings again, uh, the Jets, the Panthers, Bears again, Packers again. So when you consider that we think the Bears are bad, you know Carolina could easily be bad. The Jets shouldn't be good. Jags shouldn't be good. There aren't that many good
0: teams on this list. That's why the NFC teams have higher total. I mean, that's why the Bears are where they are as well at six and a half. So you're going to go, are you going to go over here? Yeah. For the Lions? Give them seven wins. Are they in the playoffs in 23? I mean, it depends. Depends. That's what, that should have been one of your bold takes. Just look forward. 2023. Another year. Yeah. Nobody will remember either way. True. But you'll, you'll instill optimism in Lions fans. I still might lean under, despite what I mean. I trust Eric, and his Noombas. The Noombas, yeah. He's really
1: high on uh, Washington this year, which means I'm now feeling like
0: the opposite of last year.
1: Yeah, and I'm lower on them last this year than last year. I feel like me and him with Washington is like an elaborate shell game where I keep picking the cup with nothing in it. But that's
0: what that really is. What the gambling market is, right? it's it's feeding off of perception sure. and it's easy to get caught up in the most recent thing that you saw whereas the numbers tend to keep you on point to not overweigh the most recent thing that you saw me the most recent thing i saw was the lions not winning a ton of games and i'm feeling like they might do that again i'll take under just for now i trust eric though under for the bears and the lions even though the schedule say hey they could do it all right green bay packers what's gonna happen with the packers romeo dubs man is he going to the hall of fame I keep,
1: so, you know when you sort of have a feeling about something, but you don't want to go too out there with your take in case you look like Max Kellerman? Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like All Tom Brady's going to be a bum next
0: year. Yeah. You would never make such an outlandish statement about Tom Brady. Well, I
1: certainly would never couch it in those kind of idiotic terms because you're going to look like a moron, right? I look like a moron I even when I made a particularly or a, a perfectly fair and nuanced argument based off data. I still look like an idiot. So I guess that's, I, if you follow that logic you might as well couch it in idiotic terms cuz it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. But right from the draft I I liked the idea that Romeo Dubs might be the player from this group. Like he would be a better chance of succeeding year 1 than Christian Watson and might actually end up being like this team's number one receiver. I don't know how strong I said that on the podcast. <laughs> I've been trying to think like how how close to that did I actually Articulate out loud and how much did I just be like. Hey, really Dubs a nice player because now he's like torching training camp and it looks amazing, and everybody's talking him up. And it's like, God damn it! If I had that on record, I'd look smart.
0: It, it's tough to I quantify do. torching training camp, too, right? Is well, that, yeah. I does mean, that legitimately meetings? mean? Like, does that legitimately mean he's going to be a number one? Yeah. Or is it again? Sometimes the hype is like a year early. Well, it's always it's it's prior take reinforcement season, right? So for me,
1: it's like I kind of had that inkling all the way along and it's now being born out in training camp and now I just need to hope it carries into the regular season but whatever. I do think it's potentially significant that Romeo Dubs looks good because there is a world where he looks a lot better than his draft spot did and if he you know we've talked before there's a good record recently of a lot of wide receivers coming in, into the NFL and having immediate success and being productive and being quality starting caliber players and they haven't always been first rounders they've been guys lower down the draft where we just missed dubs could be that guy and if he is that's potentially transformative for a wide receiver group that on paper looks bad
0: the Packers have the same easy-ish schedule of course they'll play a first place schedule compared to like the Bears and the Lions but they play the AFC East they play um, they play their own division (laughs) so they got to play the Lions twice and the Bears twice so the Packers over under is 11 um but Packers fans here, I mean, they've had the number one seed the last couple of years. They're, I mean, it is Super Bowl or bust. Again, right? Super Bowl or bust in Green Bay. Are they good enough to win the Super Bowl?
1: Not unless, you know, somebody like Romeo Dubs shows up and is completely different.
0: Or could they just win in a different way, though? Could they win with defense? Can no, they win with a no, different No, I don't style? think they can. Like I, That's what I'm
1: saying. I, I think that wide receiver group, unless it looks different, and by that I mean... Either Romeo Dubs shows up and is a different player than people thought he was, continues this thing throughout the season, or they snag like an Odell Beckham midway through the year, and OBJ comes in and changes things late in the season, like that. They need to do something that would transform that wide receiver group. If they don't, I just don't believe you can win a Super Bowl with that group right now. The other yeah, game they... is, this, you know, I don't want to hear this like, oh, well, look at when Tom Brady won it with you know whoever, like. Right now, the year 2022, with the current group of NFL teams, I don't believe you can win a Super Bowl with this
0: group, as it looks on paper. There's a lot of good NFL teams that are loaded at Playmaker.
1: And the game has changed. It's different to when Tom Brady first got his way into the starting lineup, and it's a
0: different game. The other guys they're hoping that can step up, Sammy Watkins, maybe Amari Rodgers in year two, Alan Lazard, of course, who uh, Aaron Rodgers puts in the Hall of Fame, Randall Cobb, his buddy. Christian Watson. I don't think he's seen time in camp yet, so he's probably going to start from behind. But oh, look, it, they got your guy as well. Who's my guy? Samori Toure. Yeah, Toure could be the guy. Look at that great depth there. So I look. I, I think it's it's just a it's a weird thing to say because they lost. The Packers lost because their offense was terrible. Basically, special teams was terrible, but the offense was terrible in a night game in Green Bay where they scored ten points at home and they had Devontae Adams, and they had Aaron Rodgers, and they still were terrible. Um, so you could say, well, they they would need to have other other things to win anyway, right? They they had Devontae Adams, and they still had a bad offense. On the, on the other hand, it's like, well, they got worse at receiver. How are they going to do better in that next situation? How are they going to do better the next time in the playoffs? I mean, and it doesn't look great on paper unless Dubs really – I mean, he doesn't have to be Devontae Adams, but if he's – A high level rookie starter that's huge for the Packers here huge absolutely
1: I mean you have a a fascinating uh, case study in how much can Aaron Rodgers elevate the group uh, elevate the play of a group that doesn't look good versus how much does a group
0: that's bad drag down Aaron Rodgers or or did or or the Packers like if Deontay Johnson was a third rounder and almost immediately it's like okay this guy can make an impact right away but if dubs is deontay johnson level a guy that the steelers are talking about right now three years later talking about paying him 20 million dollars a year like dubs could be that guy i don't know is he that good but if he is right away he's like a 90 catch guy for the packers right are we jumping too far ahead here in in uh hype no look we we
1: don't know yet right there are guys that look great in training camp every year and they don't carry it into the regular season but the players that do immediately overperform their draft status you know where you look at them and you say okay we just got that wrong he's a better player and Deontay Johnson is a great example those guys tend to look good immediately right we don't like stumble into them in week three and then it's like oh look we found this guy here it's like no that guy was lighting it up in training camp lighting it up in preseason lighting it up in the regular season we just missed when it came to draft time dubs has, has One tick, you know, it's just ticking boxes. He's ticked the first one, which is immediately he looks like a better player in training camp. Now, do we see that carry over as time goes? It's entirely possible. Like I said, I had this inkling all along that Dubs was a better player than that and was a really nice pickup for Green Bay, but now we need to see if that works. But the downside of this is the last time we saw Rodgers with a receiving group this bad on paper was the worst PFF grade of his career by a pretty healthy margin. And the two years either side of that were 90 grades.
0: Yeah, and here's the reality of it. If, if Devontae Adams was still on this roster, we would say they need Romeo Dubs to be as right. good as the hype is in camp because they need a compliment to Devontae Adams. And it takes pressure off Al- Alan Lazard. And maybe Christian Watson, when he's healthy, can just run the, uh, the Valdez-Scantling deep routes, right? And look, the other You'd thing... You'd need that even if Devontae Adams was there.
1: The other thing here is, remember the last run of tom brady in new england where that receiving core got so bad that it made the offensive line look worse as well green bay's offensive line all of a sudden doesn't look as strong as it used to and you know david bakhtiari is still working his way back from injury still not necessarily 100 um elton jenkins should be a, a good starter at right tackle He's he's been a good starter pretty much everywhere but the in the interior trio is not particularly strong so I wouldn't have any concerns really about the offensive line if you had a great receiving core and Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback. They would they'd figure it out and they'd be fine. They always have. But if that receiving core is as bad as it could be, that starts to push into the Patriots with Tom Brady, where all of a sudden we're asking like, what the hell's happened to the offensive line? When the answer was the receiving core, counterintuitively, because that group was so bad that Brady had to hold the ball longer. Nobody was open. You're inviting more pressure. You're playing worse under pressure, which makes it look worse because there's still nobody open when you're holding onto the ball that long. All of that could happen this year for Green Bay if the receiving core doesn't look better than it it looks on paper. Are they going to run the ball more?
0: There, There was a point where I was buying into having Aaron Jones and then A.J. Dillon and his 250 pounds just running people over was going to be good for them in the long run. Because they, you know, you'd have games where you could rely on the run game at times, but because you were making the defense do different things, right? We've got this finesse, horizontal passing game, and then oh by the way, go tackle AJ Dillon, 250 pounds. I, I liked that combination. I wonder if they end up relying on that one-two punch a little bit more with some of the indecision here.
1: I think you're going to see a lot more of Aaron Jones as a receiver, like oh act- yeah, I mean actually split him. routes, yeah, not just you
0: know out of the backfield type of thing. I think they're going to lean on him quite a bit. I also think. Matt LaFleur's done a good job of that, right? Yeah. Playing to players' skill sets and using motion and kind of, you know, he rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers' career. Let's be serious here. He rejuvenated Rodgers' career, got him playing at a higher level, got him producing at a a, a level similar to early in his career. And it's in part by, by playing to the strengths of his receiving core.
1: My only question with the, like, do they run the ball more thing is just there's only so far you can take that. sure they were 13th I think in in terms of like run rate last year I mean even if they moved that to like third you know they jumped it up 10 spots I mean how much is that
0: offsetting the fact that your receiving core is not great well you're hoping the the question that we've posed this offseason is this the best defense Aaron Rodgers has had since 2010 when they won the Super Bowl they had a good defense is this the best one they they made it through all of last year without David Bakhtiari at left tackle but probably more importantly without Jair Jair Alexander for a big chunk of time at cornerback now you have Jair you got a career year out of Rasul Douglas uh, you got a solid year out of rookie Eric Stokes last year that is a solid trio of corners Darnell Savage Adrian Amos we talked about the Ravens way back earlier on the show I mean this is competing for one of the best secondaries if not the best in the NFL
1: yeah, I mean, I asked this question a year ago with different players, but it's you kind of repeat it again, which is Rasul Douglas, career year, um, Rashawn Gary, career year, Devondre Campbell, career year. What happens to those three players this year? Can they all back it up? Because those are important players, and if they don't, that changes things. Um, Devondre Campbell in particular, like that guy was an all-pro with – no evidence prior to that that he was even that was even within his range of possible outcomes he had like a pretty consistent range of like 55 grades every year in two different teams and then shows up in Green Bay and he's an all pro linebacker like A what the hell and B now you've re-signed him to five year 50 million dollar contract does that happen again or do we go back to like old Devondre Campbell fair question Um, Rashawn Gary I think should be fine like he's looked phenomenal last he looked phenomenal last season he was getting better as the year wore on I would be reasonably confident that Rashawn Gary is just that damn good right now and he's an immediate like-for-like replacement essentially for Zadaria Smith who was their number one pass rusher albeit not last year when he was hurt um the Razul Douglas thing like we know cornerback play is really volatile is he gonna have anything like the year we just saw from him like we we put that down to oh he's in a better scheme now more suits his talents and that's why he got all the interceptions yeah alternatively that just happens sometimes
0: Um, he didn't have the 11 interceptions Trayvon Diggs had but we're talking about an interception driven career year for Rasul Douglas now I,
1: I care less about that because I think Eric Stokes will be better this year like he was reasonable as a rookie but I was more sort of what impressed me about his rookie season was a it was surprising so it was sort of it's like that perception thing right your starting point I didn't expect much from Eric Stokes or what I saw was exceeded expectations but also the stuff that he did well I think spoke to like okay you're gonna be good in the future you know like you're not amazing <laughs> right now but I really like what you're gonna be
0: I love when our podcast becomes outdated almost immediately so oh, two things two pieces of breaking news first Rasul Douglas just just now jumped an out route for uh, to Randall Cobb for an interception Okay. Just jumped it. So an interception for Rasul Douglas. No regression happening this season. Okay. Secondly, Deontay Johnson has signed a contract. Okay. Uh, Mike Garofolo I don't know if he's first on it, but he's reporting it. Two years, thirty six point seven one million. So two years, about eighteen million per year for Deontay Johnson. Seems that, like seems, that seems that seems like a reasonable range.
1: It seems like a solid compromise, to be honest. Steelers yeah. don't have to go where they don't want to go financially, and Deontay Johnson gets
0: some kind of you it's a two-year extension. I think he's got what one or two more years. Yeah, he gets some kind of healthy pay rise
1: more. whilst also you know being able to hit the free agent market. Somewhat soon. yeah, yeah. Reasonable well, fair deal all around. Uh, so if
0: we were talking about Deontay Johnson looking for twenty million earlier in the podcast, just ignore that. He just signed two years. We were right to, plus million. They didn't give him twenty. They million. didn't give him twenty. I wouldn't do it either. Yeah, just me and the Steelers. Um, lockstep at all times.
1: So anyway, I just think there's it's important for Green Bay to understand that a lot of their important players last year had career years. And any time you're sort of projecting what the next year is going to look like, you generally expect regression from career years, right? Just by their nature. Their career years for a reason, they're outliers. You're not expecting somebody to just back up year after year after year of career seasons unless their name is Aaron Donald. So Green Bay is likely to have to contend with some regression from important players. But I like the idea that Eric Stokes can offset a lot of that. Getting Jair Alexander back yes, will offset a lot of that. I think generally they have gotten better. Sounds like David Bakhtiari at
0: tackle too. Still dealing with
1: That's what I'm saying, yeah. Some issues, so that so.
0: offensive line has some real concerns. I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to think of the – because last year at this time, we are like, hey, they had like three superstars and that's it. You know, and and they needed other people to step up. They had other people step up freak, last year. Yeah, but the, now it's like, can they, can they maintain that?
1: That's the freaky thing is – a year ago I was asking the same question I was saying that Aaron Rodgers coming off a career year Devontae Adams coming off a career year um, David Bakhtiari coming off a career year and Jair Alexander coming off a career year like four of your most important players all had the best seasons of their career I own Zedarius Smith so five five guys three of those guys didn't play last year effectively all season like you lost Jair Alexander for almost the whole year Zedaria Smith and David Bakhtiari so they didn't just regress. They like they were removed from the lineup and it didn't make any
0: difference. All right. Over or under. So the Packers this year, 11 wins. Over. 12-win team, but it's not going to take them to a Super Bowl. What happens with Rodgers at the end of the year? I'll, I'll go over the 11 as well. What happens with Rodgers at the end of the year? Is this it for him? Uh
1: no, he's like he's he's still there. We're fine. All right.
0: So no Super Bowl this year for the Packers. No. Will there be a Super Bowl for the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, no, they're the last team we're going to cover here. Yeah. Is that everybody? We cover everybody. Hopefully, another smooth, quick, efficient podcast. Let's do twelve to fifteen minutes on the Vikings, Sam. Let's go. Well, don't forget the uh, the bets we got to cover at the end. Oh, we got the bets too. <laughs> I told you not to do it on a preview show, man. We save these things. <laughs> I told you. No, listen. You do you do the Vikings because I'm going to get whinged at for saying the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, Sam thinks they're doing the same thing they did with Rick Spielman. I don't know what different things he was hoping for, but okay. Kevin O'Connell comes in. Quazy comes in at GM. Kirk Cousins coming off of a good season. Still battling that question. Is he, uh, is he a roster elevator or is he just kind of a, a stat collector along for the ride? Not always doing it at the right time. Still a fair question with Cousins despite a couple couple pretty clutch comebacks last year Justin Jefferson ready to become I think maybe the next Devonte Adams the guy that you might consistently say is top three wide receiver in the NFL and and just dominant in everything he does Adam Thielen pairing with him they're probably going to have more three wide receiver sets it'll be a little bit less reliance maybe on the run game and Dalvin Cook but you've got some legitimate playmakers there the offensive line coming together still some question marks there as well and the defense is being overhauled. Kwesi in the draft uh, looked to the secondary early on with uh, Lewis uh, Seen, the safety after trading down, getting him late first round. Andrew Booth, the cornerback, first round caliber player that they get in the second round. So looks like the Vikings are trying to reshape that secondary in the post-Mike Zimmer era. What does this all add up to? Because just like the Bears and the Lions and the Packers being in a rough division, the Vikings have some wins on their schedule and it looks like they're the same team that is competing for a playoff spot right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if we if we assume that the Minnesota Vikings uh, underachieved last year, um, which seems fair, right? They didn't <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs. Everyone got fired because of it. Uh, I think that this kind of puts them back to where they usually are, which is challenging for those playoffs, you know, maybe getting them this year, maybe... Than in the wild card and blah blah like they with an over under of nine right i mean that's yeah nine wins uh so i I think it kind of it's it kind of puts them back where they're where they believe that they're supposed to be which is good challenging for the postseason and then that's it like that's where it puts you which is fine but you know do you not have some greater, greater loftier goals than that yeah i'm sure you do like if you look at the Vikings record in recent years, right? They've two thousand fourteen onwards, seven and nine, eleven and five, eight and eight, thirteen and three. That's the that was their shot, their window, the, the NFC championship game. Eight, seven and one, ten and six, seven and nine, eight and nine. So this probably puts them back at ten and six. There They're another like, seven to ten win team. Yeah, they they bounced in that range eight to ten outside 8 to, of like 8 the, to 10, outside probably. of the one year where they did manage to legitimately put it together and, and had a championship caliber type of roster just didn't make it make it there um but th- this kind of bounces them back to the the higher end of that very predictable range that they've existed in and for like the better part
0: of a decade now so what do you have to do to take the next step i mean change things <laughs> just just do something different i look i can Cousins be the guy can Cousins be a guy that wins games in the playoffs? This is the eternal question, because he's start you know, he's grading better and better. He is accurate. Uh, we'd probably like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Are they gonna extract that out of him? Can Kevin O'Connell extract a little bit more aggressiveness and you know maybe you turn the ball over a few more times? But you want to be aggressive because you've got Justin Jefferson, right? You've got guys who can who can make plays.
1: They are an intriguing team to watch because Quasi is essentially you know, he, People just label him as the analytics GM, right? But his thing of a background in finance, I think, is important, as opposed to a background of just, like, you know, football nerd. Yeah. Um, because he has essentially come out and he's on record saying, look, we don't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or whoever the names he mentioned were. Kirk Cousins is good, but he's not those guys. So what he is essentially betting is that his approach – of being able to play the percentages across the board in all of these hundreds of different areas that general managers have their fingers in and work in terms of um, roster management and all this kind of stuff. He's betting that cheating a couple of percentage points in each one of these areas with Kirk Cousins makes up the difference between Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes and um, which is going to be really interesting to see
0: if Which, that's because true. that's what he was because that's what he was that's what he stepped into right I mean that's right now that's what he stepped into yeah and the alternative options to Kirk Cousins are were what what were the alternatives to, to Kirk Cousins I mean it depends where you want to go it depends like, on how creative you want to get yeah. I
1: guess. And how much you want to blow things up. And, and, all and he things. said
0: he, he said it's not as simple as blowing things up. You don't necessarily want to blow things up. Because right. if they blew things up, that means oh, you bring in Kenny Pickett. I mean, again, who are you bringing in this year? You have a draft class where the NFL valued one guy as a first-rounder, and even that was maybe just one team. No one else went before the third round. Are you saying it should have been Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett? And then it's like you're wasting Justin Jefferson's rookie contract, potentially – Because you're in the middle. I mean, I'm just saying. As a GM, we talk about the quarterback more than any other position on this show, and rightfully so. It's the most important one. But when you're actually with the team, you don't have that many paths, right? You don't have that many options at quarterback to get. Which is why, like the Rams making a move from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, it could have blown up in their face. But they they made an aggressive move to just get a little bit better with with a higher ceiling. But the Rams didn't have a ton of options with Jared Goff. The Eagles didn't have a ton of options with Carson Wentz. They they took a second round shot on Jalen Hurts and he's a capable starter and they but like the options aren't great for the Vikings other than play the percentages and try to do as much as you can around Kirk until while keeping your eye on what those other paths could be for the future. I, I just I like
1: watching teams that do things in a unique way. Um and the Rams are a good example of that, right? The this you know the F them picks, idea, whatever you think, their whole strategy. It's been different to everybody else. Fun, that, to, fun to watch. And that's fun sure. to watch whether or not they won a Super Bowl. Um, the Browns in recent years, like they have been getting talked about as a sort of analytics franchise and then they go and do the whole Deshaun Watson thing. The Eagles do things in a slightly different way. And the Saints, like all these teams that do things in a unique way, I think are very fascinating to watch and see how it pans out and whether it works or not. Um, because there's too many teams just doing the same thing and hoping that it works out and that they're just better at it than everybody else and it's almost like a randomizer like you're not going to get you're not going to win by just trying to do what everybody else is doing and hope you're the one out of like 20 that that gets it like it's just a bad approach you might as well do something different and hope that the different thing is what propels you above 31 other teams i like that so the vikings I think they deserve some criticism for essentially just staying the course of a plan of action that has proven to not work. But the different thing that they are bringing to the table is the way that Kwesi goes about constructing everything and saying we are going to mathematically model all this out and we are going to play the better chance of not just this year, but the better chance of like long term, sustainable success and work on the basis of that at the end of that, that playing, taking the best bet every time. It's like a gambling way of working it. And the taking the best bet every time might not be glamorous, might not be, you know, it's not going to get you your 500 to 1, out, you know, long shot payoff, but it's what enables you to be a professional gambler and make money doing this. And they are betting essentially that this approach is going to be what
0: enables them to win consistently and have a shot of bringing home a Super Bowl at the end of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it happen. I mean, you've got – it seems like they're really high on Cameron Bynum. He wasn't their draft pick. He was a fourth-rounder last year. He only played, you know, 129 snaps in coverage, you know, a little – you know, 200-something snaps defensively. He had a 78 grade. It looks like he's uh, got a lot of playing time ahead of him. Lewis seen who we mentioned you know, that they drafted. So, I think – I mean, I know there are some similarities to Rick Spielman as far as adding volume in the secondary and stuff like that, but I think he kind of needed to do that because – Spielman had missed a bunch in the secondary, and whether it's you know draft picks or the free agent moves in recent years, so I think they look like another solid team. Yeah, what they've been. It's it's always this question I think coming down to Cousins. If if you're going to call Dak, you know this the engine that needs everything perfect. I mean, Cousins is a an extreme version of that, right? Where there's a little bit more of like the the touchy feely stuff. Can he do it in crunch time? Can he do it? when you're behind I mean he's he's had a lot of games where maybe he's shown signs of that but there's something that keeps Kirk Cousins from being a top guy right a top even if he's grading as a top 10 guy that can you put can you put the team on your on his back and carry them that's always gonna be a question and you know this year do the Vikings have enough to make a playoff run maybe right it's it's just another maybe they
1: also, so, you know, players staying healthy is a big thing. Like, Denell Hunter, effectively the last time we saw Donnell Hunter, really, over a season, he was one of the best pass rushers in the league. Um, he had 80-plus pressures. I think that was the year where Zadarius Smith led the league in pressures and Donnell Hunter was next. Both those guys are now on the same team. So, if they can both stay healthy, the Vikings arguably have, you know, as good a pass rushing duo as anybody. Um, but both guys are coming off significant injuries, and it's been a while now since we saw the best of Danell Hunter, even though he's still, like, absurdly young. Um, so, like, that's a pretty important thing. If they don't, if they get one or both those guys, or zero of those guys over their course of the year for most of the season, that is, like, that moves the needle a lot for how good that defense is going to be. Um, yeah, there's definitely some question marks on the defensive front. And then I think, front seven really, you know, how those young players that they added to the secondary play is important as well. I really liked the potential of Andrew Booth but there's some work to be done particularly a sort of fundamentals and technique thing that if he can hit the ground running that's huge same thing with, with Lewis seen but there are definitely some pieces for the Vikings defense to be a lot better than it was a year ago which is pretty important because you, I think you know that the offense will be at least reasonably good so if the defense can get a lot better from a year ago that will help Zach
0: Davidson getting all sorts of hyped up at tight end Yeah, well, that's because Irv Smith got hurt again. 2021 fifth rounder, Zach Davidson, 6'7". Might be able to make some plays for them,
1: so. Another potentially important, you know, injury worry thing is like Irv Smith was supposed to be a breakout candidate last year, got hurt, wasn't, supposed to be again this year, just had thumb surgery, I think, so.
0: I mean, that's a question with O'Connell. I don't know that he's necessarily going to run the exact system that the Rams run, but they like to roll three wide receivers out there previous regime was like heck no we're going two wide receivers at all time (laughs) you know more than any other team we want tight ends and receivers out there two two receiver sets mostly they didn't build as much depth in that receiving core the last few years
1: you know the way you know new head coaches or you they all sort of poach guys that they worked with in previous destinations like the smartest person that Kevin O'Connell could have stolen was whoever like runs the medical operation with the rams because those guys have been have led a charmed existence for sure over the last few years to the point where it's like they've been doing it for so long now that it feels hard to believe that that's just variance and
0: there might like somebody somewhere has to know some stuff that other people don't plus they brought in johnny munt speaking of guys that you're familiar with you know super bowl baby all right over under nine for the Vikings, don't forget seventeen game schedule this year, Sam.
1: I, not, let's go over. I'll give them a 10, 10 win. Look at you, season.
0: optimistic about the Vikings this year. They can be ten and seven. First time, first time since twenty eighteen. You've been optimistic about the Vikings.
1: First time since twenty eighteen.
0: Yeah, when they were coming off of twenty seventeen. Yeah. Oh, I'll go over as well. They're a good team. It's a good football team. It's a good Vikings. Football team. It's a good ball team. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see how they build it there. Ball NFC ball North ball. is weak, man. I think it's i think it's weak hmm. so vikings win some games nfc is weaker okay over nine for the vikings there we go look at that we previewed eight teams in just over two hours good work now we got bets you want to run through some uh some bets and we'll uh, yeah. accept or decline and then we'll have like i said full show we've got over 40 i think we'll run through on a show before the season at some point so this will be reasonably rapid fire rapid fire
1: uh, one of these feels familiar to the point where we might have read it out before, but you'll just have to live with that if it's true. A guy called Brian Coon says Zach Wilson breaks into the top 15 in PFF war this season for, 20, for quarterbacks. I would accept that, that he's not. You would accept that bet on the basis that he won't get anywhere near the top 15? Yes. Uh, okay.
0: I mean, it's not a crazy thing. I'm, I'm not... How, what do we want to do for bets here? Do we want to be, like, adamantly against this thing? I'm not adamantly I mean, against that.
1: I'm okay with that one. I think it's it's on the fence enough that I'll be I'm fine with that if we accept it. So,
0: so to me, it's, there's a balance between I like the odds yeah. that we'd be getting there versus, like, I'm adamantly against this. I'm a, I'm against your take. Okay. I'm not um, against this take, but so, I take it So, all right, we'll,
1: we'll accept it. Done. Uh, AJ Terrell will not be top 20 in PFF war among cornerbacks
0: because AJ Terrell is overrated. I mean, if... It, Part of calling him overrated is, oh, they're, they're in a zone-heavy scheme that played to his strengths. He still has that. Yeah. And he's got Casey Hayward on the other side now. I mean, I just think we know enough about
1: cornerback play that I, I, it's entirely possible he's not in the top 20 next year. True. Decline. Same. Steelers will have a top eight secondary by the end of the season, according
0: to PFF's rankings. I would not accept that. Same. I was looking at the war numbers. If they play to their three-year sample, they could easily be top eight. Yeah, and again,
1: coverage play all over the place. Could yeah, don't give
0: happen. us coverage bets. Could easily happen. Davis
1: Mills will have a higher PFF grade than Trevor Lawrence. Sorry, hang on. I need to, names. Luke Brem was the guy with the HhrL thing. Adam Gesk was the Steelers one. This one is from Matthew Story.
0: I, I, would, I would accept. I would take Trevor Lawrence over Davis Mills. See, I don't want to accept that
1: because... I'm entirely on the fence with Davis Mills. There's almost no outcome that would surprise me with him this year. I think we should stick our neck out here. I No.
0: Davis Mills versus uh,
1: Trevor No, because it wouldn't shock me if Davis Mills had a better grade than, than Trevor Lawrence this New
0: year. New evidence. Uh, Davis Mills did make a joke about the neck picture, saying his mom said he should be getting He's some turtleneck mom. sponsorships. I'm right. just saying that makes Davis Mills more yeah. way more likable. He's heading towards a Josh Allen route. Yeah, like those it. year two quarterbacks, they start to yeah. open up a little bit, make jokes. I, I still would take Trevor Lawrence over Davis. No,
1: we're not. No, we can't take that bet. All right. We can't. because right. We both have to happen. agree, so
0: we decline. We decline that bet. Uh, this one from Tyler
1: Landis. The Bills will finish under 11.5 wins in the regular season, and Josh Allen will finish outside the top five in PFF. Great.
0: I mean, the Josh Allen thing absolutely is plausible. I think they're both plausible. I mean, they'd be
1: unlikely and they'd be surprising, but not to the point where I'm willing to bet on it.
0: No, I'm not adamant enough against this, yeah.
1: Uh, Even as a Josh Allen Bills fan. Of course. This one from Iggy Benjamin. Good name. The Colts will have uh, three players with top three PFF grades at their positions in 2022. He thinks it'll be Quentin Nelson, uh, JT. Who's JT? Jonathan Taylor. Yes, and one more. Darius Leonard, friend of the show.
0: Shaquille. Shaquille, yeah. Shaquille Leonard. I mean, we're not going to bet against that because those are all guys that we like and yeah, have great that one. happen. Yeah. No, forget it. Now, last one. Thomas Stewart.
1: The Seahawks will win eight or more games in 2022. You love this. You're hell right. yes. We are accepting this. There's not a hope in the hell they're winning eight more or more games.
0: Agreed? There's no way. No way. All right, yeah, I'll accept
1: this. Certainly, certainly not with the current quarterbacks on the roster.
0: Has anybody put anything up? I'm more willing to accept bets if there's oh there's like there's a lot of stakes the, to all of these the uh, benefits of this Sam, not all of these but a lot of can, these we can we can give away something of value edge elite that doesn't really but we're not really giving anything up ourselves don't forget we also got books to give away we got books to give away so we'll give stuff up but um, I'm ready I want coffee I want some you know send me a steak or something if
1: you lose no people have been stuff. people have been suggesting steaks and stuff are steak steak s t a k e s um, I'm just saying. I've cautioned before. No, I want stakes. I want no, S T E A K. Yeah. I understand that. I'm just saying that people have been suggesting. Uh, They're putting it, stuff. Up? Another word for stakes. If stakes I is use right. the word. I stakes. People terms. Been, terms. People have been suggesting monetary terms, quid pro quo. Here, I'm just cautioning you to be careful because if we lose, you know, 25 bets that all have stakes attached to them, we're we're out of pocket by quite a lot. Yeah, but if we're giving away. If we're giving away uh, subscriptions. If there's only so many, like, subscriptions and books we can do to offset. Like, some of these have money attached to them. Okay. Like, the dude that wanted to go to the Super Bowl or whatever and you know, wear, it, like, an advertising hoarding. Yeah, That's true. a lot of money. Yeah, true. I understand. So, I'm just saying, tap the brakes though. there, Sparky. I
0: think the only thing we give up is books and, <laughs> and subscriptions is what I'm saying. Uh, and then in return, you know, stakes.
1: So anyway, there's two new ones that we've officially accepted. The Seahawks winning eight or more games and Zach Wilson breaking into the top 15 in PFF war this season. For quarterbacks, he says. All right. It's not like overall, but same. Quarterbacks are all at the top.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds good. So there you go. There's some bets. So we'll do a whole show. So NFL podcast
1: at PFF.com. If you want to bet things, we'll have potentially more next show and we'll have a whole show at some point, maybe running through the ball. Sounds good.
0: I'm excited. I like this. Um, did we give the guy that came up with this idea? Did he, we give him a subscription yet? I don't remember. If you came up with the idea of betting, I, we'll find it. But that, and, guy, and you can prove- that guy has earned a subscription. Yeah. Probably elite because we've, we've turned this into a whole thing. It's become popular. So anyway, appreciate everybody for tuning in. We're halfway through the league. Previewing them only took about five hours. So we're- halfway through the league. Next week, we will run through the south and the west of all the divisions. We also have a very special interview. That might show up on the show next week, or maybe we record it for the next week. We'll see. We'll see how, it, how we drop that. But uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again on Monday, previewing some more NFL action. We also might have something very special on our TikTok coming up soon. Mm. Right? Perhaps the tortilla challenge. Perhaps the challenge has been accepted. Your face still red. <laughs> still still a little ringing in my ear, but um, see who wins. On TikTok, Tortilla Challenge. How'd you do it, Tortilla? Things happened. Things happened today. Mm. We'll, We'll reveal that maybe on Monday. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. See you Monday.